0: Well,
1: well well this is an amazing conversation and i actually i'm completely drained even if we finished this interview last week what do you think people? <laughs>
2: still drained still drained <laughs> yeah
1: i can tell you people and then you will tell me more about that that probably it was the longest for sure interview No, it was not the longest. Once I had Chris King, that actually, he really drained me because he talked, (laughs) um, that's it. But it was so (laughs) cool, inspiring, positive vibes. I took tons of notes about that. And as well, I came back with at least three links about that. We are talking about Sam and Becky.
3: Is it the first time that you have like five people at the same time in the podcast?
1: Uh, It was, it was... No. Once I interviewed, and I'm going to say the name of the brand, because I think that they're also working on a giveaway with them. Once I was with Schwalbe, and they were four of them and two of us. We were six. But it was super nice. It was interesting. We talked about products. We talked about sustainability. We talked about frameworks and whatever. This time, if I have to be completely sincere, sorry, Schwalbe people. So there was felix for sure i don't remember the double others sorry for that but actually this time was a bit more sparkling <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
2: I i listened to that episode actually the schwab episode i li- really really liked it huh? i was cycling and it in... was
1: one of the most successful about the um, sustainable conversation because we really yes. went through the topic not yeah. talking yes. about and they
2: were super clear about everything they weren't like going around the facts they just were very straight cut and Ever since, I, I ha- I've had like a new appreciation for these uh, for these people. So, um, it's uh, it's nice to be back, uh, Stefano, for this very, very long, but super interesting and lovely conversation with Sam and Beck. Yeah. Do you want to give a little intro about uh, about their chapter in the
3: book? Yeah, uh, they are number 36 and they fall into this new category of age and duration, which is uh, another of the big blogs in 50 Ways to Cycle the World. We, yeah, we, we make this category because um, there's people that are always struggling with, well, I cannot uh, quit my job, I cannot leave my family behind, or I have a parents I need to take care of. So there's examples of everything from cyclists just going out uh, on weekend escapes to just going around the world for eight or nine years. And uh, yes, yeah, Sam and Beck are one of those examples of... Uh, just going on a long journey for a year two years were undetermined and precisely they represent the category of to figure out life which actually yeah I mean it's not literal that no, no one can really figure out life it's more
2: <laughs> spoiler did we figure it out I don't think you'll find here. out I think
1: minutes. I am the oldest one here also if I'm talking about the other time and the oldest one here I still didn't so yeah.
2: Yeah. I
3: think their chapter is more about the transformation or the awakening up where we we are educated into some beliefs or customs and then eventually something sparks that makes you turn around and realize that there's other ways in life i think that's more of a yeah yeah right
2: yeah you the <laughs> up. Yeah.
1: actually there are so many layers in this interview that you're gonna listen to people because there is the layers of sam and becky so first of all Sam starting a new chapter of his life by riding the bike, then Becky being used to travel around, two different characters, meeting, I'm not gonna tell you where and how, deciding to stay together, decided to travel together, decided to get used to each other, decided to start this trip that then it didn't finish because of... 2020, we can say. I don't have any more coins. Uh, and then we talked about really this part of figuring out life, how to get into the communities, how to get to know the language. It's really, I would say, it's a long one, but it's also super thick. I think that we summarize of the topic in the two hours and a bit more that are in this episode. If we would have gone into all of that, could have been something like a week episode. So I mean, twenty-four At times least seven,
2: hours. E- yeah.
1: <laughs> easily, easily, easily. But it's super great and it's super amazing. As usual, I wanted to ask you the classic question. I think that they are the perfect characters for your book. And then talking about fifty ways of cycling the word, right? Yes. And no, make any mistake. Is the, they are the perfect characters because they are, as I was saying, so many layers, so many experience, so many things to talk and whatever. And I can completely understand that it was karma, actually, making you crush into each other. But how was it? From where did it start?
0: Yeah,
3: well, um, if I remember correctly, it was um, summer, end of summer 2019, where I was listening to another podcast, um, Actual Adventures, and Sam was there um, on Explaining his, yeah, on his... two hours and a half. Yeah. Actually, there's two episodes on just his story. And I remember I really found his story very fascinating and then from there um, we just looked into his photography we, we wrote his name down and when this project came to be we're like oh let's, let's check this guy we saw his website check the pictures and uh, we thought they were a great fit especially since uh, Becky joined him because then the, the story really transform, transforms so we really wanted to have them both here because sam had his uh, solo like when the time where he recorded this it was just before it, almost anything happened so now we have the the, the continuation part, yeah the continuation and what actually happened when when they were both met and started cycling together
0: yeah
1: yeah well because i know that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are coming from uk I believe that this is going to be a podcast where uh, you really need a super strong coffee to catch up and to keep up. If you want to do it, you have just to know that Becky and Sam just founded their coffee company. And if you want a good coffee, just go on dirtbackcoffee.co.uk and then you can get the coffee. Another thing, because I didn't get enough coffee probably today that I don't remember is if we talked about the charity move, let's say, and project that you're doing with your book and with your incomes, personal incomes of the book. Probably we can talk anyways about that. Repeating is not bad. As the Latin says, Latin language says, Repetita Juvent. My teacher would be <laughs> completely astonished by me now.
2: <laughs> yeah, so so 50 Ways, uh, turns out, for us, it was... A big, big community project, probably the biggest community project we've ever done, working together with 75 cyclists from all around the world to create this book that is just jam-packed with stories about journeys and experiences and lessons, etc. We figured that because it's such a communal project, we need to give back to the community. And so with our parts of the profits and that is from the signed copies that we're selling through my website, which is in the show notes below. Um, we we uh, use that profit to give to an uh, organization, NGO, charity that's related to cycling. It will most likely be something along the lines of warm showers, world bicycle relief, or a charity or organization that one of the participants in the book is affiliated with. But yeah, just to give back and do something good to carry on the effects of this book um, into the world of, of traveling by bicycle. And if I may just elaborate a little bit on the first one I mentioned, Warm Showers, it has made a huge difference on the lives of so many different cyclists around the world, including myself. I think my first and second journey would have been very, very different, if not, maybe not exist at all, without Warm Showers. Um, so we're just super grateful and we really want to do something back
1: there. Yeah, that's great. And there is also another super cool story about your traveling with a bike and warm showers into this episode. I would say that we let we, us, talk into the episode. Let's move it in this way. Uh, I will move it up. We will talk later.
2: We are recording in uh, Garage Band already.
1: I'm going to clap yeah. So we just in have to clap.
2: One, we're two
1: three (laughs) hi everybody today is gonna be an amazing more than amazing awesomely amazing especially awesomely amazing talk because i don't know i have the feeling that everything is gonna go off road and off track and we're gonna have a lot of fun first of all let's say hi to the guests of this episode sorry if it doesn't start from you uh, Tristan and Belen because you're not guests anymore you are just part of the team so
2: <laughs> I will just, start we're just, just an attachment
1: <laughs> you are here you are part of the flat actually I'm gonna serve you coffee super soon but talking about coffee I'm here today with Sam and Becky and we're gonna talk about amazing things are you doing people
4: we're doing good thank you Very yeah good. really good really good excited to be here we feel grateful to be here too so thanks for so all of you guys for inviting us
1: that's Amazing. perfect, that's perfect. What about you, uh, Tristan and how do you feel today? Doing good.
3: Yeah, we're really looking forward to this talk. It's like yes. a chat, but even...
2: <laughs> <laughs> We've had multiple chats with Sam and Beck already, you know, <laughs> just off record, and they've gone totally out of control. So I'm actually, you know, holding on to my heart for this one. We'll see where
1: it goes. I don't know. I have the feeling that this is gonna be one of those episodes where actually I'm not gonna talk so much, and I can tell you I got so many feedback on people saying, Stefano, you're making a podcast just because you like to talk, don't you? I usually do, but this time I can really <laughs> shut up and let other people talk the talk more than I usually do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. So just a little little intro. To make this little intro, if I can do it, I think yes, because, anyways, we are here already. The book should be around. We will talk with Sam and Becky today that are on chapter 35 of this amazing book called 50 Ways to Cycle the Word. This time, no mistakes, because I've been reading it. And on chapter 35, and he's talking about wait a second, MS34. It's 36 to be actually precise. It's a all book, the... you know. yes. I thought it it's was book. 36. So it's, 36. Like, oh. it's 36, it's 36. Is actually <laughs> talking about traveling on the bike to figure out life. Long-term, I mean. Can you maybe just give us a little flavor of it or whatever? Here we're talking about long-term, and it's also long speech and long talks. So the microphone is yours. <laughs> Figuring out life. Um, Tough. God, no pressure,
4: guys. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, I, if I want, I can actually say the classic thing that the host. I don't like to call myself a host, but I actually who is opening the door I can say, "Ah, uh, hi, Sam. Hi, Becky. Can you give us an introduction about yourself? It's a bit more pro, right?
4: Okay, yeah, we can we can do that. Maybe we can save like the existential questions of life for for, for later on. Give me give me two minutes to warm up, and we'll. Uh, okay. Um, Becky, do you want to go first? You want to do intro first?
5: Honestly, I don't feel like I'm that interesting. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always ask you to do an intro, and there's so many amazing people in this book. And when Sam and I found out that we were gonna be involved in like just the names and the stories in this book, I was like, how on earth am I in this book? Truly, <laughs> <laughs> really, because I I found cycling through Sam. So for me it's it's yeah, it's wild. I, I still
4: think it's wild that I'm even in this, but how about you? That's <laughs> <laughs> incredibly humble, bless her. Um, an, an, intro, an intro to to me. I think me and Becca, very, we're kind of kindred spirits, but we also come at things quite differently. So um, I'm English, ex uh, from New Zealand. Um, I kind of grew up in the land of fish and chips and rain and tea, and Beck grew up in the world of you know beautiful oceans, tropical forests, and cikadas at nighttime. <laughs> like our lives couldn't have started more it's differently. <laughs> um and and we 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 kind of we we meandered through life doing our thing for you know for for, for most of our twenties. I think I started out, I came from a kind of uh uh a, a hard, a harder kind of childhood than 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 I think Beck. Like I I had some things happen in my in, in my life. My dad committed suicide when I was 11, rather unexpectedly. Um, that kind of very much changed the way that I viewed the world and thought about the world. And it also, if I'm really honest, built a hell of a lot of fear and complexity into me as a young man. Um, I was quite angry. I was quite uh, overtly confident, but actually quietly quite... Um, quite sort of shy and a little bit of a nerd at heart, but I always try to sort of pass off as, you know, very confident very in your face and kind of aggressive and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then later on in life, I kind of just figured that my map then was, and and what really I expected of myself was really just find a job, find a girl, have a family, settle down 4.2 children. And, um, and I was on that path for for a for a long while um until another you know quite large life event happened um which kind of led me toward really questioning what I really wanted out of life and and, and what that meant. Um, it also led me quite strongly towards um alcohol and I had a turbulent time with alcohol. Um, I kind of I, I'd say that I was uh I was an alcoholic. I was I I, I wasn't kind of you know as bad or I wasn't as sort of further into the alcoholic sort of world as, as others, but I, um, I definitely had some, some pretty large, uh, challenges with, with alcohol. Um, and then I moved to Australia and that's where I met Beck. Um, we worked and, together.
2: And, and actually, yeah. uh, we, uh, we set out to create a, quite a challenge for Sam because what he just summed up in already, uh, I'd say a small amount of words we had to make even smaller for their story introduction uh, in the book. So that was a big challenge because how do you sum this kind of thing up into just a few sentences, you know, well,
5: 30 years of his life, right? It's yeah.
2: yeah. And it's, it's a whole other chapter that you, that you open up because talking about this is very much a part of figuring out life. Every one of us has problems and every one of us has to find solutions to things that we, Rather not have be part of our personalities or mm-hmm. just life events and the way things go, but you've you've gone through quite a roller coaster, if I may say so, of uh, of events in your life and things that have shaped you to the person you are today, and the both of you uh, are today.
4: Mm. I think um I think on reflection, what I've learned is that I'm the kind of like spaghetti complex one, and Beck is just like beautifully stable and. And just, and just kind of, and, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why I think our relationship works most of the time, which she's not trying to murder me, is because, you know, We've
5: been in lockdown for a few <laughs> <many> months, <laughs> Be- testing us.
0: On
2: and on. Can, we, can we just go back to that pasta reference? You're a spaghetti, what is back? If she's Be- beautifully Bec- stable, is she like a macaroni it always Bec- works?
4: Becky's like Bec- is like a fresh lasagna sheet. She's like I would have said was, lasagna
1: as well. I would have said yeah, lasagna she's like as well.
4: Beautiful and <laughs> stable and straight and covering,
5: and, but like a really you know? good one with a good sauce. You know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Rich she's and complex. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Rich and complex. Sam and I are quite opposites, and I think you'll probably come to find that in so many ways. Like my upbringing was very lovely I have beautiful two parents they're still together they always instilled in me that I could do whatever I wanted like it was always like the sky is the limit so for most of my 20s I traveled um everywhere and anywhere I could (laughs) basically um so when I met Sam I was like okay I'm gonna come back to Australia I'm gonna settle down now and stop traveling uh next minute
4: (laughs) An Englishman turns up and says, do you want to cycle around the world with me?
5: <laughs> Why
2: not? And he's like, yeah, forget about what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then they have a bike, I have two. Yeah,
4: and it's a funny story, right? And, and and I think one of the things that maybe some people in the book will go, ah? When when they read it is that we, we literally knew each other for four, five weeks before we kind of went,
5: should we just cycle around the world? So about four or five weeks of actually dating to be like okay and and he left and kind of said you better hurry your ass up and yeah
0: we're we're a great
4: example of why sometimes not always but sometimes an ultimatum actually really does work um (laughs) because i i had i had the i had the the tour planned um and or at least like the first leg of it and i I knew that I was gonna make it to Nepal. Like no matter what, I knew I would make it to Nepal. And Nepal from there, then the universe would invite and invoke what what the rest of the journey would look like. And I had it all planned out. The only thing I didn't have planned out was Beck. <laughs> and she kind of she kind of she kind of came into my life and it was just, it was so it was rapturous, but also it kind of the, the experience left me reeling. You know, I didn't really understand like okay, could we do this thing? Like, do I even want to be with another girl? Like, I, I had some experiences and I was like, I just don't want that. I want to be on my own for once. And then all of a sudden, kind of, through the period of a, a, a couple of weeks, I, I kind of, if I'm really honest, and don't tell Bet this, but <laughs> if I'm really honest, I kind of gave her a bit of an ultimatum. And, and, it, and it was, hey, I'm going to cycle around the world. You can either come with me or we can kind of just be just say thank you and be grateful for this time um and 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 thank you so much it's been great but but, but see you later done. But it's we're, over. we're done
5: <laughs> and i fully expected
4: like that friend zone like, friend's
2: own, friend's own kind of done or or done well, done, well, just, well just
4: kind of like it was a matter of weeks it wasn't you know it was it was just kind of you know a couple of dates a few walks in the park looking at bats and you know stories and all that sort of stuff and it was it was beautiful and romantic but At the same time, you know, we hadn't built that 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 tenure to um, to really know what it might be. You know, we were two human beings trying to navigate life separately, and then all of a sudden, the universe is like, "You are going to be together." And so, we were trying to then figure out, okay, well, how does that work? And I fully expected Beck to turn around and sort of say, "Well, okay, great. It's been nice getting to know you. Like, get on your bike and
2: see you later." Um, which he did. which well, Belen did with me when we just started yeah, <laughs> on I the record. S- I
3: sent him on his own for a year or a year and a half.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, actually, actually with me, it went different. I, I gave her the-, the reverse ultimatum. I said, I want to not do this bike journey and stay with you. Is that OK?
3: <laughs> I said, no, you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> I have my plans. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's I'm how it really worked actually. So, <laughs> so that, that's the the other side of but, it. But
3: uh, Beck, what crossed your mind then when you received this ultimatum? You were
5: like, oof. I was like, straight away, I was like, sure. Really? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I say yes to everything. I, I love an adventure, I am spontaneous in nature, it's, it's what I live for. So the, the idea, and for some people, the idea of cycling across, like, halfway across the world is wild to them. But when I told my family and everyone, they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Sounds like something you do. (laughs) I didn't fall in love and cycle halfway across the world. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, what should I the week? (laughs) So it's not that, I don't know. I guess I'd traveled to all these places. So I'd been to Vietnam. I'd been to all these places and Nepal um, and India and all these places before. Um, So it wasn't so much, I wasn't as, worried about that side of it because i already kind of knew what i was stepping into in that regard even Mm -hmm. though it ended up being completely different to what i had imagined um i yeah i wasn't so nervous i think that the the thing i underestimated the most was just how hard the cycling was um sam when we first started he is a we're gonna hit 100 km's today and this is like me fresh had have literally never ridden a bike since i was about two years old um two or three years old, and then he throws me in it, gets me a bike, I'd ridden maybe, what, 30Ks before I went on tour? And he's like, okay, 100K day, first day out of, leaving Ho Chi Minh? Ho Chi Minh City. Leaving Ho Chi Minh City in like the most horrendous heat you could ever imagine. Um, I'll be honest. (laughs) I'll
4: I'll, I'll be honest. May have overshot that one.
5: Um, (laughs) 100K, fully loaded on my first day. Yeah.
0: It was wild. On my first day,
3: when we cycled in Norway, I think we got to 20 kilometers. And I was already crying on kilometer five, so...
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. How far far into that day did you get, actually? Did you do the 100k, or...
5: We did 63 kilometers, wow. I remember.
2: We more than half.
5: Of those 63 kilometers, we ended on the side of a highway, which we'd been in for literally no shade for about 20 kilometers, a full, like, four lane highway. Yeah, it was and wonderful. I rolled over and I just started crying, and you know, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I just, I physically can't do this. Where is the food that I was promised? <laughs> of course. <The> <laughs> We so we got, on a, bus and we got a, on a bus. We got on a bus and took ourselves to I think a coastal town. Yeah. And then we did a night breather. Vong Pal. A whole night breather, and in that night, I unpacked all my bags, like literally everything I had, and chucked out about three quarters of it. I was like, <laughs> I can't. This no is a great person. story, actually. This is a great
4: story. On Beck's first day, <clears throat> um, I, I would I was already on the road for six months. So I cycled Australia and in um, in from Singer Singer into Malaysia Malaysia up into. Um, Uh, South Thailand into we met in Ho Chi Minh City and uh, six months later. So I had six months worth of uh, experiences and all that sort of stuff, which is doesn't really make up for why I thought it'd be a good idea for her to do hundred K's on the first day. But hopefully it means that, you know, other people that uh, listen to this podcast don't want to kill me straight away. I I admit that I overshot that and got it wrong, but, um, (laughs) but on Beck's, on Beck's first night, we pulled into a hotel. I thought, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll treat ourselves to a hotel and um you should have seen some of the stuff that she pulled out of her panniers that she'd packed. there was a there was a, a full hardback version of the power of Now from <laughs> Eckhart Tole <laughs> <laughs> I
5: like books I
4: three books. I could see <laughs> that. Was like, There was like four different bottles of perfume there was like 11 bottles of creams and moisturizers
5: i stand by the moisturizers i still (laughs) i would not depart with the moisturizers. i vote yes
1: to moisturizer i vote yes as well
5: i I look about 15 and i want to stay that way forever so the moisturizers are essential (laughs) even though
1: even though i can say that actually usually i have just a small tube actually i have something like a small one of sunscreen or whatever and a small one of moisturizer that i use it also as chamois cream but that's another story but completely on it yeah let not get on into it. the
2: chamois cream yet mm, I, I just bum- say just say because <laughs> you usually we lose weight as,
1: sorry
4: we call it bambata
1: bambata <laughs> uh, it's really good bambata like uh, like the there was any popper right africa bambata but that's, that's another tasty. thing
3: <laughs> <laughs> so
5: what else came I- out of
3: those panniers
5: Oh, uh, you don't even want to know. I brought Jury straighteners. Now straighteners? No, this was a bad one. But, but because, right, I'd always backpack, so I just I didn't get the concept of, and we were living, Like he was told me we we're going to be on the road for two years, like bring everything you need. And I go, what if we want to have like a date night out somewhere, you know? <laughs> and I'm not a precious person. I didn't bring makeup or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't know why, in my packing frenzy, and to be fair, to be very fair, when I was at home trying to pack for the trip, I just didn't even know where to start. I sat in my room for maybe, oh God, about seven hours, looking at my room, being like, how do I pack my entire life for two years into these two little panniers? Um, so I made some bad calls, drank a few glasses of wine, tried to pack the night before, very unorganized. It was
1: fantastic.
5: Um, And yeah, it's what you got. Yeah, it was great. Yeah.
1: Well, if so I could... Yeah. It was wild. If I can say something here, so I, I will go completely off track because that's the way that it's gonna go. I was reading your story from the book, and at a certain point, says that actually your setup with full panniers and front rack and front basket and everything at a certain point changed drastically, and then you directly move into a bike packing setup. So, first of all, why? Second thing, What did you get rid of? Because I truly believe that then the books are not, it doesn't have any space, any book on this kind of situation, right?
5: Yeah. First, I mean, you should explain, Sam, why we changed and I'll, and then I'll probably run through some mistakes I made because uh, when you, when you're looking at these bikepacking rigs (laughs) that you like the look of, I was looking at all of these beautiful large bikes, so like uh, Ryan or RM Dub on Instagram. I was looking at his bike and I was like, I want mine to look just like that. So I bought like you know um, the seat pack. I bought the whole shebang, and then once it actually once we got there, once it got to Thailand. None of it fit my bike because I'm so little. My saddle doesn't even go high enough to have a seat pack. I get so much. So we just
4: fit the wheel the yeah. whole time. We had to use volley straps and
5: literally strap everything oh. up just so that we could get maybe four millimeters, five millimeters clearance. It was, it was fun. And just, I just had no concept of what it would actually end up looking like. And then again, I'm Sam is a very organised packer. He packs things into little tiny bags that go into another tiny bag that fits in this particular tiny spot, which I can't differentiate, but he knows what the spot is, whereas I just shove everything in and, like, jump on it and clip it and hope that it stays. So going from having these great panniers so you can just throw stuff in that's really easy to having to shove something into a long tube and then it, it was a bit of a nightmare.
2: I'm not going to lie. We should have given your chapter a different name. Instead of figuring out life, it should have been figuring out my bags
0: how do i pack? totally
5: i guess you're best to explain why uh Switch. yeah so,
4: so i'll try I'll, I'll keep it fairly quick though so in terms of unpacking your question we started so we both started um without a great knowledge of like bike touring bike travel bike packing and and all, and all that sort of stuff we we or even
5: bikes for me <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah we we start we started and we kind of i suppose it's like um it's like most things you you kind of see what is most popular around you and you kind of see the application of that most popular thing, and then you go oh yeah cool that's that sounds a bit of what I'll do so when I was sort of planning the trip a lot of my mind was very much about like you know road road cycling and then i was like well road cycling is a road touring and road touring then is common straight with you know or panniers and a run rack and a tubus rack and all this sort of stuff right and so i I kind of went down that that kind of setup to start off with and so when beck joined she kind of did the same because it made sense but actually what we what we weren't really aware of or what perhaps we, we 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 hadn't yet found out um is that I don't really think that there's a bad or a good choice in in, in how you go with bikepacking setup or your touring rig setup. And I think that is we we live in a world where we're just expected to get stuff right first time. And actually it doesn't actually work like that. And I think some of the beauty of of where we're at now as bike travelers or bike tourers is that yeah, we now go on more off-road, gravelly, growed kind of bikepacking adventures. But at our core, we're still we're still bike tourers. Like we that, that's what we do. We, you know, the spirit of bike travel is, you know, a hedonic pleasure. It's 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 around it's about experiencing the world and letting life envelop you rather than having to go out and seek stimulation in externalities, in bars, in whatever it is. All you have to do when you travel by bike is just sit there and pedal. And the world just happens to you. You know, spontaneous interactions with people and animals and nature and life and world, it just it just takes over your body and it takes over everything. So really it's 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 quite a lazy way to travel, although it's active. You know, it's it's the most like hedonically lazy and rewarding way to go. And what we found when we got to North Thailand was. So we we done like uh, you know four and a half five thousand sort of kilometers through there because so we did lots of sort of you know meandering and and stuff. We actually what we found was that like the traffic, the buses, the lorries, the pollution, the massive highways—they just weren't—they weren't kicking it for us, you know. They they weren't filling us with the same amount of joy that we that we wanted.
5: And and not to not to over you, but. We had this one day where we had gone completely wild off our route in Thailand. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and we—this is not good. We went had so deep down this route down the side of a river that we—you know when you go so far, you can't turn back, even though you're like I probably should. We just we were so committed, and we thought it was the end of the route. And we looked up and we saw this probably forty-five percent hill, dirt hill, and I was like Sam we can't keep going. He's like, we can't go back because we've climbed the entire day. Like we have to go over that hill. There's no way about it. So we climbed this hill. I think it took like two and a half hours. Like it was this wild hill, got to the top and where Google Maps or where Kamut had told us there was a road over the other side, just wasn't there. Nothing. It just didn't appear. We're just on the, the edge of this mountain. And this is this is the moment where we're like, we need to get different bikes because we just rode our touring rigs off the side of that mountain. <laughs> yeah, through we did. fields, through honestly like through these massive cornfields. Like it was Sam got two flats within like 20 minutes. Like it was just and we got to the end of that day and we'd had it was so hard, but we'd had so much fun that we were like, okay, we have to change our setups. Yeah. We have to find Sam's very challenge driven. So he needs some sort of structure, even though it's even if it's like we're going to cycle 50 k's today, 50 k's tomorrow. He needs to know what the plan is and the structure around things. And I think what had happened is he'd done a year of touring by that time or more than that, mm. even more than that. And he, got, he was getting a bit bored of road cycling. It's like he wasn't meeting any other goals. He, he knew what he could do every day, but he didn't have any structure to push him or to do anything different. So I think the switch was really about a challenge, like a different challenge for us, rather than Mm. just liking the way it looked. It's like we wanted to find more remote places with you know, different experiences. I
2: think think the the typical touring setup, it lends itself very well for long distance cycling. By that time, you'd done a lot of kilometers already. And if you want to go say from from the UK to China or from Spain to northeastern Siberia or whatever that's a long distance you have in front of you and following roads then on a touring bike with a lot of space to pack all your four season you know stuff with you that's great that's a great approach for uh, touring cycling is a great approach for that kind of journey but if you go into, into bikepacking, I feel, because we've made the switch also, I feel that you have more capability to explore the details of a much smaller place. Totally. So you can kind of zigzag through yeah. one particular part of a country and mm. really stay there for the same length that you would spend on that really long journey by road.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I think that, I that's more. what bikepacking kind of embodies, at yeah. least for me it does. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I think when 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 you when you switched to that bikepacking setup, then did you also start taking it slower? And did you start accepting okay, we're we're gonna go on this path?
5: I would love maybe, to say that, that happened. Th- maybe
2: there's <laughs> not so much security, particularly for you, Sam, since you came from such a planned preference. Yeah. I think Beck's over egging the planning thing
4: uh, if I'm honest I'd like to get with my own sort of uh, I think I think the way the, the way that I like the way that I like to to travel by bike is I like to have like a a macro idea like a kind of high level plan of you know what needs to happen so like you know if you're traveling by bike then you need to know you have a certain amount of days on your visa because otherwise you get either charged or you get like you know in in hot water. So we kind of have like a macro plan of like where do we want to go? What what kind of things interest us. For me, it's usually like people or monasteries or things to practice and or waterfalls. And, kind of, and that is almost invariably food. Um <laughs> and so
5: restaurants yeah, so, 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 pinned out on the map. Legit. Sam has like waterfalls and places we need to go to get XYZ visa. I'm like Oh, there's an amazing fireplace place. has got like a thousand reviews. We have to
4: go there. Legit. We'll
5: cycle like 30 kilometers the wrong direction just yeah. so I can taste it.
4: Yeah, legit. That's that's basically how it goes.
5: But I also, I
4: kind of, I call it like a, a, a planned unplanned, you know, like I try to, I, I, I want to cycle in a way that uh, has security because, you know, not to be kind of, you know, maniacal in, in any sense but like you know i i'm planning for both me and beck to make sure that we're both safe and to make sure that our experiences of the country of the people of the thing is is, is good and it's enriching in, in in some way and so there has to be kind of like a, a skeletal kind of plan but actually what happens day to day and moment by moment we really open that up to the mm-hmm. universe and really invite in a sense of spontaneity of just like whatever happens so like Sometimes, yeah, we'll, we'll cycle 100k. Sometimes we'll cycle 4k and we'll find somewhere on the beach and hang out. So it's not, you know, it, it, I don't think I'm as. Um, <laughs> I, I've I softened him
5: up. I yes, think certainly it
4: was quite rigid.
5: There's at the Sam at the very start of the tour when I came, and we always talk about this thing where Sam was a cyclist who liked to travel, and I was a traveler who liked to cycle. And it's a very it's an interesting concept because it's kind of where the two of us would butt heads where the very start, he wanted to do X amount of kilometers and he wanted to be on his bike. And it was all about that goal of how far can I go? And for me, it was more about what can I see within that day? Um, so yeah, it's a bit more, Mm. how would you, how would you explain that concept of us and how we're different?
4: I think it's really similar to what Tristan said in terms of, um, you know that kind of like micro macro or like it like a zoom lens on a camera. You know, like with with a bike packing rig, you can zoom right in and you can see all the details. You know, and all the beautiful kind of moments and people with a touring rig. Sometimes, you know, you you're, you you by by requisite of being limited to the roads, you're also limited to travel by the roads. Which sounds quite simplistic, but actually, you you, you don't have the the the, the ability to kind of go into the back country and, and, and off roads. Um, Unless
2: you're at Ellie Denham.
4: Yeah. I mean, Ali's yeah. but Ali's like, Ali's just, it's he's, just he's just something else. Yeah. He's, just, he's just great. Yeah. I love Ali, yeah. Yeah. love Ali. I love Ali. But um, in, terms of, in terms of, this is one of the things that... Um, it's kind of like a bit of a thought experiment that, that we kind of came up with, the whole kind of like cyclist that travels and traveler that cycles. Um, and it, it, there's an interesting thing. And and, and, and seeing as we're talking about kind of, you know, how 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 our experience is about things that change your life long term, I think that this is one of the moments that have really sort of amplified but also changed both our lives in a sense that when my entry point into cycling was Cycling big days, cycling races, cycling long days, two, 250, 300K in a day type races and that sort of stuff, right? And it was as much about the physical challenge as it was about the mental challenge and this sense of kind of therapy and meditation and, and flow. And it was wonderful for me. I loved it. Um, whereas, say for Beck, the bike offers so much more in terms of just a slow, calm relaxed way it's to-
5: almost like I was the yin and he was the yang that's I would take cycling in a very yin way like I would relax and like you'd be in these incredible sceneries going downhill and it's like dreamy and all endorphins and you just feel really good whereas Sam wanted like the hardcore like push my legs and my legs aren't in pain then I haven't worked hard enough kind of vibe so we constantly had to find the balance between being able to have Sam days which were really yang and we cycled really hard and we felt really good and hit those goals but then also yin days for me where we took it slow, went through like dreamy little ocean towns and ate lots of different types of seafood and it was lovely. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Did you, did you yeah. also get those comments of uh, back, um you're not pushing, you need to push, you're not pushing <laughs>
5: We have rules now, Valen. We, we, we have.
2: Let's we talk have about zero. the
1: rules. Let's talk about the rules. I want to hear rules but oh, from both uh, uh, of the couples. Guys, my
2: connection is breaking up. <laughs> I, I can't hear you anymore. Let's i talk think about
5: we're going to have to quit this podcast. <laughs> Sam is now not allowed to mention my cycling speed in any way, shape, or form. Not even an eye roll. I don't even want, I don't even want a sigh. I don't even want a. That's in me. <off> <laughs> Absolutely. And this for what for those got, who, who are
2: not seeing the video during this podcast recording, there is a rope uh, around. The <laughs> <thing>. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly,
5: but yeah. It, that was the hardest part for us to adjust to, and and in truth, like I think that was really the thing we struggled with the most was trying to balance how he really wanted to cycle and what he saw this trip and this journey as for him, and then me. How how did I complement that? How did I? Also have my own trip because if I, you know, if I wasn't cycling with Sam, then I, who knows, I'd probably still be in the first town. <laughs> to. Like it's, it's just yeah. So it's that balance. And I think what's ended up happening is Sam is now softened out completely, and he loves a, a little Yin day now, and then I crave the Yang days, which is wild to me because I'm like, no, I want to a uh, day, I want to be on the side of a highway, I want to put my headphones in and listen to a podcast and feel like. Nailed
4: it. Whereas now I'm just like, oh no, that sounds like effort. That sounds like <laughs> a lot of effort. I'm happy just to a 15k cycle on some gravel and then cook over some fire. That sounds much better. That's wild. It's
5: <laughs> <That's> actually wild.
4: <laughs> but what's really interesting, and 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 I don't know whether or not if any of the listeners have kind of observed this in either other cyclists that they've met along their journeys, or maybe that they will uh, meet along their journeys once the world reopens and. And hopefully the book inspires more people to travel by bike. But what we found is that um, the whole kind of like I suppose like archetypes um of, of the people, i.e. a cyclist that travels or a traveler that cycles, you can find them like in couples, in solos, in all over the world. And so we started to find that most couples were similar, i.e., they were travelers that cycled or cycled or travels. and 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 but we were kind of the Ones that were kind of a bit of both, and I think that offered a a, a, a beautiful balance, but also a, a, a kind of a cause of conflict. And yeah. and and I think I mean, like you guys don't know me a huge a huge amount, but one of the things that I seek out in a, in a rather strange way is conflict. I think that conflict is one of the things that before you attribute whether or not conflict is good or bad actually, just see it for 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 what it is as a thing conflict i think can be very beneficial in any type of relationship friendship or a a loving relationship you know in a partnership because it's through conflict that you understand boundaries that you understand um kind of you know how far you can push and, and 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 where to push and also that you can push each other you know in a loving way you know, sometimes you get it wrong. We all do. Tristan, you do it as well. Um, but, but, <laughs> but 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 it's through conflict that we find collaboration, and I think that that's very important for our our friendship, mm. um, our partnership, and also how we or how you now meet us in a kind of non-cycling context. Because so much of what we've learned from the bike feels like a long time ago, but also feels like just yesterday so we're, we're able to recall those moments you know and recall mm. memories when things get hard you know and you're locked down in England and it's raining and like all you want to do is or whatever it's um it's nice to be able to 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 pick those moments and say hey do you remember when we did that together and, and there's that moment of triumph rather mm. than just focusing on the the tribulation and the and, and the hardships of, of, of some of the times
5: and as we always say like what One year on the bike is like 10 years of marriage. We've met so many couples that have broken up on tour because it's just so, it's so challenging. You're constantly, it's amazing, but it's like highs of highs and lows of lows. It is such a challenging environment. So when we came back to this lockdown, everyone was like, how are you guys going together? for Six months now, I'm like, this was nothing to having to live in the tent. This is absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's
4: a breeze. And I'm like, this is fine. We've got an actual toilet. Yeah. Yeah. One of my last memories of Beck before, you know, we got flown home from Nepal was her screaming at me after having diarrhea in her bib shorts and <laughs> vomiting off the side of the Annapurna circuit. I was yeah. like, home with a toilet and like a shower? <laughs>
0: this
5: is simple. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, another, that's another story for
1: do you think that we want to start from this let's do that i'm gonna take all this story just see and actually poke this story in one second but talking about actually conflicts because that's a super interesting thing we all have conflicts and whatever it is and actually starts also from the point that we were talking before everybody thinks that you're starting a thing and you're doing it right just right from the beginning on it doesn't work. With conflicts, it's the same. How did you handle the conflicts? Because there are different ways, right? Something like, okay, leave me alone. I'm going to cycle alone for two days. We are not going to talk. We're just going to stop and eat together. Or the other ones, okay, now we stop here. We empty the bucket of complaining and fighting, but we solve it here now. There are different ways. How did you handle them?
5: So we we have a very firm, very firm rule that if we ever fall out, that we... Tackle it, and we get over it as soon as possible. We have this weird thing. <laughs> I'm I'm saying this out loud, and um, we have this weird thing that we do. That once we've tackled the problem, we do a reset. <laughs> and you guys won't be able to see, but we like literally do this, and we touch something. And from that moment, we cannot be mad. I can't be residual mad. I can't say that it's over and then like be moody for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. We we have to tackle it there and then because it can it can be unsafe if you do that on the bike. If, if Sam cycles off in the middle of Southeast Asia and I'm by myself or something happens or it, it's just, it's just not worth it. Like we might as well tackle that problem, tackle it there. And then if it's, if it needs more than a just there, then we go find a hotel or we go find a safe place and sit and we solve the issue because I just, you only get a certain amount of time on the bike. And I think anyone who's done a tour like this, who's been stuck for the last year, I, I would do anything to be in that conflict position on the side of a road <laughs> In Vietnam right now. Like yeah. I I miss the road so much that there's moments I wish we could have just like gotten over the shit because you know, it just ruins it ruins the moment. So mm. um we're massive and we, we bring that into our relationship now. We never hold on to a fight. Yeah. It's just not something we do. We won't be moody or get all each other's energy and, and draw it out. We if we're upset, we'll explode quickly. And then get get
1: over it. I'll no, I'll explode quickly.
3: Explode. Quickly. <laughs> I just want. I
2: Bec, like to. Bec, I, I can resonate with you, Beck. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I think I'm the same. In in our relationship on the bike, I am probably more the explosive type. Whereas Belen, she does her thing. She does it quietly. And in order to resolve something, we really have to sit down and talk.
3: I'm a peacemaker. Jennifer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how 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 you guys are in terms of personality if you're more towards the the peacemaking side quickly mm-hmm. or if you stick with your rage and just try to maybe make the other feel that you are the right one or something like that but it's definitely beneficial to to be with a peacemaker then because it resolves things quickly and it seems that you have decided for each other if that ever happens we are going to force ourselves into the peacemaking ceremony of resetting each other by touching uh, the side of the head yeah. and making a like a like a reboot sound or something. Yeah, Basically, yeah. it's a
0: reboot. It's yeah, we've been following. It's, yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. But it's, <laughs> to do it honestly. It's it's funny because you think it would be one way or the other, but it's not actually. Sam can get quite frustrated quite quickly, and he's really learned not to get frustrated with me now. Like I think now you're so patient with me, whereas at the start, you know, it was his tour, it was his dream, it's everything he wanted to do, and I kind of just stumbled in on it and and we've had to like learn you've had to learn the patience whereas i've had to learn not to lose my shit when i when he really upsets me or <laughs> somewhere more like
4: i, I think know. i think an interesting and important caveat to this is that uh one of the one of the interesting inputs here is that most couples and, and not to generalize, but most couples that go on a bike tour, they have a previous tenure, a previous relationship with each other. You know, mm-hmm. they've, they've done the real world thing or the world thing, the matrix, as I call it. And then they do the touring thing. Right. Whereas what me and Beck were trying to negotiate was uh, a new friendship. We really only just really met each other. So we were trying to navigate, you know, a new relationship, falling in love. Very quickly falling out of love and then falling in love again, um, and then and then you know and, and kind of what the road meant to someone who had six months of experience versus someone that was had none, you know, and it, there were so many so many variables at play the fact that, you know, when I reflect on where we are now and the sort of solidity of our relationship and how we communicate and, and how strong we are now, although we like to tease each other and, you know, make out like we're, you know, that we're awful, but actually we, we, we've, we've developed practices and we've developed ways that, well, the bike taught us, you know, Mm -hmm. the bike and the trip and the experiences taught us. I mean, one of the things that to sort of translate it into how, you know, we've, hopefully on the journey to figuring out life is that you know when storms caused when hot air and cold air collide right you get this kind of like huge storm moment and i think like it's the same with human energy right and so what we've what we've tried to cultivate and i have taught it to well, we've taught it to other couples and other people is we do this thing now called frame up um and a frame up is effectively like our own kind of really low fidelity kind of couples therapy slash kind of check-in thing with one another Mm. where each week we sit on a Sunday morning and we basically just check in on each other. You know, Mm. it starts with kind of high surface stuff and then it goes deeper into like, you know, where are you at right now? Like, what are you pushing towards? What are your goals? But like,
5: we have questions. We have set questions that we have on a notion board and we ask the same ones every single week. Um, and if, honestly, the weeks we don't do it, we notice a difference. The
4: wheels come off.
5: We notice a difference because coming back from such like an amazing tour to trying to step into work and normal life is tough enough. And, I mean, on the road, you have to communicate. If you don't communicate how you're feeling and what's going on, that's <coughs> when that's when you have blow ups, that's when um, things can go wrong and you can ruin a really lovely day. So now what we do is if we do that frame up every Sunday, we go through the set of questions like, what do you need from me this week? Like, where are they going to be the touchy points? Do you have a big meeting on Wednesday that you're nervous about? Or do you have a massive day of work? So I need to do dinner and not think about it. And just like little things that, that sound, that sound little, but if you can, if you can avoid any of those silly conflicts and I mean, there's lots of them on the road it happens all the time but mm. if you can avoid them and really communicate through them then it's ju- it's just so much better definitely so yeah. much better
1: yeah if i can actually drop something like my two cents here it's everything about communication it's everything about that doesn't you know you are who you are right but if you're just engaging conversation keeping on with the conversation and everything because the life is already what it is right you're rushing the whole day Uh, you're going from one meeting to the other from one call to the other from uh, the thing that you are supposed to do that is due by for you and by you something that you need to commit something that you need to deliver if you just slow down a bit and just communicate what is into your chest something like really From one side eat the frog, from the other side speed the frog and kind of communicate, and then you really understand each other and then the things work good together. If it's missing the communication side, in a couple, in a friendship, wherever, you know, that's a problem. I can say that because even if I'm kind of a person that talks a lot, it really is difficult for me to shut up. And actually, when I shut up, I feel really not good. But on the other side, it's difficult for me to... Throw out all the feelings that I have on me, especially with my girlfriend and stuff. And she's the one all the time when she sees me upset or something that happened or something that happens to me, stops the word, really. Okay, stop playing. Let's sit here and saying, okay, let's talk. What's happening? It's between us, it's between you and the work that we're doing. You don't feel satisfied. What is that? And it is pretty good for yourself on communicating it and also for the other person to understand. if you don't speak, nobody can listen to you. Totally.
4: I think, I think just, just to lean into that a little bit more though, Steph, I think what's, what's really important is that like we, everyone knows that communication is key, right? And everyone knows that like you have to communicate and, uh, but, but so many people I in, in my experience, they, they don't necessarily have the toolkit in order to make that true. And so, you know, like I use a phrase a lot, people can't be what they can't see and you know, we, whilst we might all understand that communication is really important, especially in a couple, especially when Mm -hmm. on a bike tour, but actually it's not just about having the cognitive ability of like, oh yeah, I know that's true, but actually how do you apply that in real world? And Mm -hmm. so that's why the whole frame up idea came around because we needed a tactile, actionable way Mm -hmm. to be able to be like, right, something's up or even if nothing's up, you know, just like, how are you Mm -hmm. And, and how do I create space for you? And how do you create space for me so Mm. that we're, so that we're having this kind of, we're creating like an equilibrium for Mm. each other. You know, it's like, it's balanced. It's not just, it's not just like, oh, you know, um, this is, this is how I want to do the ride or how you want to do the ride. Actually, there's, there's a a bit more equity in, in, Mm. in what we're trying to achieve. And I
5: think it's also really important. Everyone's idea of what good communication is, is completely different. Like the Level that you will communicate, the amount that you communicate, the frequency that you communicate in, basically what that does is it gives us this perfect framework to say, if we're doing this every single week, then we know we're on top of it. And there might be extra conversations and there's a reflection exercise as part of that too. Um, but at least at the bare minimum, if we do that one practice, we know for that week we've checked in and we know where that person is at and what they're going to face during that week. I think that is... It's invaluable some weeks. And it's also it's also quite a nice reflection tool because, you know, I'll talk to Sam one week and he'll be feeling amazing. or will feeling amazing about work and where we're at and where life's at. And then you might get three weeks later and something's happened and he's like, oh, well, this is happening and work's not going well and this isn't working. And I can say, well, three weeks ago, you were on top of the world. So so what's happened? You know, last frame up, it was a bit worse. You know, what's the difference? I can actually troubleshoot what's going on with him as well so it's nice to have that yeah the accountability and being able to reflect with each other um and that's where some of our best ideas come from too so sometimes the best um ideas for trips and the best i mean everything comes up in that frame up literally everything of how we want to craft our life comes up in that conversation so when
2: when do you start doing those when when was the moment you yeah this is something that's you make it sound really logical and and like a given thing for you guys. I'm sure there was a time where that was not the case. And for a lot of people, especially couples, we've tried to tackle this ourselves in many ways. Um, it's an important thing to think about and to kind of set in stone before you actually go on a journey by bike together or yeah. any journey, in fact, and even a life journey. But uh, so many of us fail to do so, including I mean, me and Belen, we, we didn't just sit down before a journey and said, okay, these are the ground rules, and we're going to do these sessions and these frame-ups, like you call them. So how did you come to it? And, yeah, the rest of the questions that Stefano has. Sam, so, <laughs>
5: this to be honest,
2: when I'm, I'm, Sam and
5: I initially started, cycling we thought we were communicating really well and and i think through lots of it we were we were communicating really well but we kind of had to fall apart to realize that we needed something like a framework.
4: oh that's beautiful like a phoenix
5: i know but we did we did we um when when covid kicked off um okay funny. Sorry, a couple I'm, weeks
2: I'm just going interrup- to interrupt you you're going to make stefano go out of money because every time something like that is mentioned he drops a coin <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to know his podcast so well now, but we, I just realized he hadn't told you yet.
5: <laughs> what is this? Oh, oh. Uh,
1: I'm going summar- <laughs> to summarize it. Give me just one second, I swear. I'm not going to interrupt the flow. But basically, this is a COVID jar. COVID swear jar. So all the time that somebody... In my, let's say that I'm having a conversation on records, even off records from time to time, and, uh, or whenever it happens, I just take one coin, that is one franc, and I drop it inside, and all the money that are into the COVID jar by the end of this season of the podcast are going to go in charity, and actually I choose for this year uh, the Sea Watch, that is the charity is saving the refugees the central Mediterranean, basically in the old Mediterranean, because I think it's a great cause, and also on the other side, we are all sick about talking about COVID all the time, so I try to... Zoom a bit out sure. and say that the world is amazing, even if we don't talk about COVID. And like the elevator conversation, you don't need to talk about COVID in order to familiarize with people, right? Like in the elevator, you usually talk yeah. about the weather. Who cares about the weather? Talk to me about you. But anyways, I'm also super happy all the time that you are mentioning it because I know that one Swiss franc is gonna go to Sea Watch, and I love their mission. So
0: <laughs> love it. Beautiful.
4: Yeah. Love <laughs> it. Love that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: Wild.
4: Um, you were saying, what were you saying? Uh, We had to fall apart to figure some stuff out.
5: You like that? You like the poetry of that? Yeah, the kind of whole
4: like Phoenix rising from the flame thing. I like
5: that. Well, well, we did. Literally, we were on the side, we are in Nepal, and it it all kicked off. And um, a couple of weeks prior, I had said to Sam, like, I probably need to get home now. Like, things are shutting down. And he was like, it'll be fine. I'll be gone in a few weeks. Don't be so crazy. Don't, it's just a, that. just a flu. That's just a flu. And then literally within about 10 days, we were up on the Annapurna Circuit. Um, and I had properly, properly kicked off. Uh, you weren't allowed outside at all. Um the embassy vehicles were allowed on the road. And we had one day to get back, to get back to an embassy bus to take us back to Kathmandu. Um, and that night I got food poisoning. Um and we, we had about 130 kilometers yeah. off the Annapurna circuit. So about one of the hardest mountain bike tracks in the whole world. Um, and we had, to, get, and I've, I've never been so sick in my entire life. You can imagine like, yeah, the worst type of sickness you can ever imagine. I had to get, literally once we got to Pokhara, I had to throw away all the clothes I was wearing. It was just, it was beyond recover. Um, and I remember being on the side of the mountain screaming at Sam at the top of my lungs being like it wouldn't let me leave like was just absolutely having a complete meltdown um and that's kind of how the frame up was born
0: yes
5: yes and
4: no yes and no I think I think what Beck said was right yeah we had to we had to fall apart to to figure out that we needed to to come up with more effective a more effective way to communicate how we were both feeling and what we both needed. And so we, uh, so I, I've got, I've got a coach and her name's Kylie and she, she uses, she used this, uh, this kind of type of framework, uh, to try and cultivate a great sense of, um, intimacy in her relationship with her partner. So, um, they, he, he's from the U S she's from Australia. And so they did the long distance thing for like four or five years and what they found was that the, the 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 intimacy, the kind of closeness that they both sought, was lacking. And so they tried to create something, you know, a kind of a, a talking framework to try and do that. And so over time, we have kind of adapted part of Kylie's framework to suit us. Um, and so and so, yeah. I mean, like the uh, the thing is, we. We would love love to share this with other people, you know, if if, if people want to have a go. I mean, I wrote a little notion page for it and I wrote some some explanations as to how you might um, embed this into your life. But really, like it's not a one and done type thing. It's this is the start. You know, this is the the kind of catalyst of how you might want to adapt and change things. This works for us because, you know, we can run through it in half an hour, 40 minutes over coffee, and it works, you know, it we we create balance, we understand where each other's at, what each other needs, and 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 we avoid those kind of that confluence of where hot air and cold air meet, you know, it, it dampens it somewhat. Um and, and I'm sure that there is other frameworks and other ways of doing this. This is just a very low energy and and kind of uh actionable, tactile way of doing it. We, we we love it. I don't I don't think um I don't think we could tour without it, but I really I think it would really um it, it's definitely something that was that will stick with us for life now.
1: Well, I actually just saw Sam that you share with us the notion page you were mentioning. Maybe yeah. if of course, if you want with your consent, if I can actually maybe drop it down the uh, job uh, job description. Sorry, I'm thinking about getting a new job. Um is the episode description episode that's down below if uh, you think it's okay i can share with everybody otherwise i'm going to keep it for myself absolutely. i can do that absolutely so yeah in the absolutely. episode notes down below people you are going to find this notion page that yes uh, sam becky was mentioning so you can start your own because as you were saying it's something like a working process right you start with something and then you change it and then just actually it evolves with the evolution of the relationship isn't it so it's something that probably also for you is gonna change it's just a framework we need to make it changing as well
4: and it's good to do with friends like i've done a frame up with my mum. i've done frame ups with like people at work just to make sure that you know there's project alignment or there's you know need alignment on stuff it's 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 really good um but you you guys can can see and 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 adapt, you know the spirit of the spirit of this type of sharing is share it with other people and 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 synthesize kind of what what the learnings are from it. And if you find anything, a question or something that really works, please shoot it back to us because we can steal it back from you.
0: <laughs>
1: of course, of course, that's for sure. oh, uh, yeah. uh, what direction are we gonna take now? This should be my job, so give me just one second. I need to figure it out because I would continue with this flow probably forever. Let's jump back on your trip, right? Because I think it's the best way that we can actually continue taking out some other uh, anecdotes. Seems like a foundation of your trip, apart from building up your relationship, was as well the food. And I already heard something pretty, pretty interesting about a food poisoning, but I don't want to talk about food poisoning, but tell us some cool <laughs> anecdote about food, something that you remember on top of your mind. Because, okay, we are talking about Southeast Asia, right? And the food there is just, I don't know, I'm in love with Vietnamese food. is absolutely my thing. I love it, even if it's so far away from what I grew up. But still, it's something that I really love. But I know as well that you can eat something super weird, but anyway, something super tasty. Do you have some stories about food in your trip?
5: Oh, uh, I literally... I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. We <laughs> I, have
1: time. So, we have a lot
0: of time. Honestly,
5: some of the food... Okay, so I had a food moment on this trip where I cried. <laughs> One, okay. That's how good the food was. So, Like tears, absolute tears of heaven. I still dream about this, it's too cool. Um, So we... On our journey, I think we were in the bottom of Thailand, we met an amazing uh, German couple who own a coffee business and kind of inspired us um, to start our business. And and that's another whole other story. But one of the guys um, in that couple, he has this massive obsession with Biang Biang noodles. So how you say it? Yeah. Bang, bang, noodles. Um, and they are these hand-smacked noodles. And the, the kind of concept is that when it hits, it goes, bang, bang. That's, that's how they describe it. Um, and he has traveled all over the world. And no matter what city he's in, he'll try and find this specific type of noodles from this one place in China and try them everywhere. Um, and he had been recommended um, this amazing place in Bangkok. Um, and we weren't even really going to go back to Bangkok, but he was like, there's this place. And we were literally in the south of thailand he was like we have to go if we if we see each other again we're going to go to bangkok and if you guys can make it that way come to this noodle place with us mm-hmm. and so obviously i said to sam we have we have to go to Bangkok. we have to go like nine hours in the wrong direction because i need to try these noodles." <laughs> and so we went I told you we met them and it was just like in this weird part of bangkok like it wasn't anywhere normal Uh, None of the normal, like, nice Chinatown, none of those areas. Um, It was in this tiny little place, um, and it was, oh, God, it was minced pork and chili. I have a bowl of it on my Instagram. I have quite a few photos of this one bowl. And it was just, it was, when you eat something, you're like, how can food taste like this? It it was, like, transformative. It was was a transformative moment in my life. (laughs) And it was amazing. It was amazing. And now... We've been in, in London now for a couple months, and we've found all the biang biang noodle places, and we've been trying all of them recently. None of them match up. None though, of them, None of them really hit the mark. Unfortunately, but there's there's
4: lots there's lots of amazing food uh, food uh, in Southeast Asia. I mean, there's you know the one that people talk about a lot is 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 Thai food. Obviously, yeah. you know is is one of the things one of the things that um, i think we we both love food right so so like i i was a chef for a while and 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 kind of enjoy cooking and enjoy cooking on on fire and all that sort of stuff more so now but becca's an eater so like that works really well um and so what i like about food is is not just you know eating the food but i like the history like the kind of the food history the culture that that food brings um and and so Anyone else that kind of it, it likes that sort of exploration into things, you'll love. You know, especially Vietnam. I see, Vietnam being colonised by the French. You know, you can have you can have these massively juxtaposing experiences where one minute you'll be in you know kind of. Chinese-inspired soups and broths and furs and noodles and ri- fried rice and stuff. And that obviously comes from the north and the kind of like Sino-Asian type kind of influences from the north. But then you'll walk 30 meters down the road and then all of a sudden you have banh mi, which is like a French baguette, like a short baguette with um, either like the vegetarian or, or or meat base with like pork crackling and pate and all this sort of stuff. And so it's it's a is a, it's a really interesting food cultural type sort of experience you can really you can really kind of immerse yourself in it um and i think of all the countries i think my personal favorite was vietnam for food um just so much diversity and so much so much interesting diversity and and, and exploration of food it's um it's beautiful
5: and you honestly you you turn up in these tiny little places and some of the stuff that they are creating and that they are cooking with, it's like fresh from their garden. Mm. So we had had about a year and a half on the road where we were eating this food, which was just pure and fresh and broths and soups and just so many incredible, incredible vegetables. Um, And we kind of, we got put off eating meat on tour. We ended up going vegetarian because when you can hear like the pig getting slaughtered out the back, before your meal and no. just that nothing puts you off more. So we, we became vegetarian and even through that, we just found some incredible food. They have um, these amazing um they call them what they call Un- chai restaurants? Chai restaurants? Um, Un- Un- chai restaurants. And they're usually in the back of people's houses and it's almost like a buffet style of all different types of incredible vegetarian dishes. So you'll get like fresh, fresh greens covered in coconut milk and just amazing curries and amazing stews and just crispy mm. tofu and like, and such incredible meals. Um, and it would cost next to nothing. Literally nothing. Um, like- it was amazing. It was, I've never felt so healthy in my body as I did during, <laughs> during the tour
2: all this, all this must have really also influenced your camp cooking.
1: Yes, because I want yeah. to know some stories about your camp cooking, Sam. Because here we are talking about restaurants, but we all know that you are, I don't know, words from Tristan probably the best camp cook that we heard about. Sorry, damn, Harry damn. Cor- Sorry, I'll Harry Corre, But I heard about that. Tell me more about that. <laughs>
5: well, I'll I'll give you a little uh, taster. We I remember especially when we first started um we'd pull into these markets just before sunset and sam has this incredible way when he learns language by going into markets and talking to people and 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 that's kind of how sam it's how you really pick up language right so he'd go in and he'd get fresh curry paste all different types of local vegetables and he'd sit there in these temples with like three different dishes going and make these wild curries little like you know he wouldn't just go oh we'll just make a basic curry he makes it with all the toppings all the crispy tofu all of the peanuts on top and then he'd make me like uh, caramelized bananas for dessert covered in coconut milk and like or just make these wild three course meals in the middle of a temple and the monks would all come and all the kids would come and be like what are you doing and he would do he would plate it like it was it was amazing so every night felt pretty spectacular i mean if you're gonna do it is, no. this is
0: all
3: in one pan.
5: this is in three pans, bro. three
1: pans but one fire
5: one fire three pans
4: Ooh. one fire it's just yeah. another way like for me food food and cooking for people is just another expression of love in, and, like, there's a, a Latin word called communitas, where we get, like, a derivative of, like, community and, and stuff, right? And communitas is about, like, people, enriching people. And I think that that's, you know, that's what food is for me. It's about, like, it's especially, like, when we were, like, cooking fresh from markets and then we were going to even monasteries or we were camping somewhere or we kindly invited to camp on someone's lawn or, you know, in their restaurant or whatever, then... Like, for me, it's a sense of being able to be, to give back, you know, and, and and even if only six out of ten people took the food, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't know what you're going to be cooking, strange, like, European <laughs> guy. um, But, like, for me, it's about, yeah, it's about giving back. It's about re- reciprocity and, and mm-hmm. kind of, but also it's about, it's how I show my love, you know, to Beck in terms of, like, you know, her thing is eating right so if i can make her feel good from eating then i'm, I'm at least halfway good so <laughs> so
5: if we do fight he knows he's got like emergency garlic bread in the freezer emergency okay.
4: garlic bread Secret. i can't
5: be mad at him if he brings me hot fresh garlic bread i just can't Secret. it's all gone you know
4: yeah <laughs> yeah
5: yeah the
4: the, the the food changes a lot from I, I think what what i try to do with with food on tour is like it's funny we we live we live in we live in a world now where everyone wants to kind of like create dichotomies of everything you know like think of like the cycling world it's like okay it's a mountain bike it's a road bike it's a gravel bike it's a touring bike I'm like no it's not it's a bike right and 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 all it, the rest of it is just marketing fluff really the application of it we're all cycling whether we're doing it on seven hundred thirty five or whether we're doing it on twenty nine by three we're all cycling right we're all having the same beautiful collective experience we just maybe going a different route for it and i think it's the same with food especially with food whilst cycling is we we call like camp food or like on bike food versus real food or real meals or you know and for me i don't necessarily see the I don't see the dichotomy. I'm just like, food is food. Food is what I love. I love cooking. Beck likes eating. So we'll just take what we do at home. We'll minimize it, obviously, and we'll, you know, we'll make it a bit more a bit more friendly to the way that we travel. But I don't I don't think that there's I I don't think that there's a need to necessarily inhibit your experience of food. Mm. Not not when you take into consideration that, you know, you are using your body and exerting all those calories and all that energy and all that kind of mm.
5: it's like your fuel right because yeah. you're on a bike it's the one thing that fuels you and if you're set up if you have this amazing dinner at sunset it becomes an entire experience for us it's almost like our treat at the end of the day yeah uh for cycling so hard well it's at least my treat at the end of the day <laughs> so it's my bribe to get up hills that actually
2: doesn't eat He, he just <laughs> makes it. I just,
4: cook. just cooks i just cook, I just cook. <laughs> But but that's right. We we actually got into a really nice kind of structure. So we'd pull into camp. We'd figure out, like, Mm. you know, where we were camping. Was it safe? Was it right? La, 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 la. And then Beck would – I'd kind of get everything out of the bags and start sort of unraveling it. And then I would start sort of prepping and chopping and, you know, doing all the things that – marinating and all the things that need to happen. And then Beck would kind of put the tent up, get the beds out. Mm. She'd carry, like, essential oils and, like, you know, because you know what it's like sometimes when you're camping – ongoing every day the tent smells sometimes maybe rain you haven't dried it because you're lazy you just stuffed it into a sack or whatever so you know beck has her own kind of ritual which is Mm. you know spraying essential oil maybe burning some palo santo and and freshening the kind of the energy and also freshening the the tent up and then i would do my thing It's, it's, it's a time when you're when you're traveling as a couple together you're in such close proximity to one another that sometimes it's very easy to kind of homogenize and be like this one person whereas I think that what's really important is trying to understand like what each of you celebrate and if it's in service of one another or to one another then that is something fantastic and I think me going away and having the time on my own to sit and you know prep the vegetables and you know start making the pace and marinate, and then back to have her time, you know, freshening up the place and making mm. it look nice and getting the camp ready. moisturizers. And moisturizing. <laughs> um, and then, then when we come back together, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes later, you know, we've both had that time apart, which means that the time together is more, is more favorable, mm. you know, rather than being like, oh, everything has to be together.
1: Yes, it's super great, but just also having the time and making the time that you're spending enjoyable not only cooking because you need to eat because otherwise you're gonna feel sick not only cleaning the air because otherwise we are gonna sleep bad just doing it because i enjoy doing it and this is something that you are doing on the bike something that you are doing at home something that you are taking time to yourself in order to enjoy things that you love otherwise if you do things just because you have to you are gonna hate those things, and it's the same with everything. As I would say, even just going out with a bike or jump on a bike because you have to train, and this is your only goal, so it's something like something that you have to do. It doesn't work because you're gonna start hating it.
4: Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent, totally,
0: totally. Yeah.
1: And I actually love as well the thing that you were saying about the dichotomy. Stop putting stop putting stuff into categories. Things are what they are. So being yeah. on the bike, everybody's on the bike. Being on in the kitchen eating something. We are doing it. Everybody of us stop putting categories. It's just dividing instead of inclusion. So yeah,
5: Mm. absolutely. And also respecting the local ingredients. Like we'd go through these amazing, these amazing parts of the world. And like I remember one amazing place we went through in Vietnam had these tiny little aubergines, yeah. all different wild colors. Like you'd get red and yellow and purple. And so Sam was on this mission to make the perfect curry with it. So we'd try all these different ladies pastes at the market that all be making him try it. Like, and everyone gets involved, like we'd cook at the side of a market and everyone be like, what are you doing? And they'd come and help and throw things in the curry uh-huh. and then everyone would eat it around us. And yeah. like, we became like a part of the community. Because we were cooking and sharing that experience with people. And people couldn't believe Sam, this crazy farang, could basically speak almost fluent Vietnamese in the market. So he knew every market term you could possibly imagine. These ladies loved him. Like, they just kept giving us food and like adding different things in and teaching him the way he should be doing things, which was great to watch. So, like, that's completely wrong and making him start again. And like, it was lovely. It was really lovely. But we literally became a part of the community. And off the back of that, someone would be like, sitting there eating Sam's curry and he's cooked them a Vietnamese curry and they're like, it's not as good as mine. You have to stay tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and then should have to teach him from scratch in her kitchen how to make it. And I think there's something so invaluable about that going into people's homes and eating with them and connecting with them. It's yeah. Food was like that glue that kind of kept us into these communities and allowed us to, Connects with people and not just be these crazy people on bicycles. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's very
2: interesting because when people talk about uh, Southeast Asia, at least many of the cyclists that we have talked with, this never really comes up. There, There is a, a, a thing being said about restaurant food and the fact that it's cheap and delicious mm-hmm. and you barely have to cook. But the way you're describing it, you're really going into it as if you're almost living there. And just you know, mm-hmm. going out in the street every day and buying stuff yeah. at the market and making your food there—that's um, yeah. a, a very unique aspect of of a bike journey through Southeast Asia.
5: And most people buy the food just because it's so cheap and yeah. it's so delicious. So right. don't get me wrong—we still bought a lot of food. But at dinner time, there was something about the end of the day because we'd buy breakfast probably buy oh we have oats or buy a lunch somewhere lovely. At the end of the day, it was our way to actually connect with the community of people because people were always interested in what we were doing, whether it was a temple, whether it was in a market, whether it was in the middle of a city. Sam would cook sometimes on the side of a road, and people were just so amazed by it that you'd actually get to have interactions of people being like, what is going on? And then you'd meet these crazy people, and then they'd be like, no, you've got to go to my brother's house, which is, you know, two-hour cycle that way. We'd end up in a town that we had never heard of and never planned to go to, eating like... Beautiful seafood in this beautiful house. In this, and we're just like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> we're in the middle of a market yeah. recently. We're in the back of someone's car going to their house. And it's just this way that breaks down barriers, even language barriers. Sometimes we'd have experiences with people and they didn't even speak English. Yeah. And they'd get to taste the food and they were happy and cuddling us. And like back when we could cuddle. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Put that coin and just... uh, she said. Cut on COVID. <laughs> I,
1: I'm not gonna put it. Not gonna put it right now. I just have two coins left. I'm gonna keep them for later. <laughs> well, I want yeah, to say, yeah, I have to say something actually that. So, uh, as a foreigner Italian living in Switzerland, in Zurich to be precise, so in a place where I don't actually speak the language, even if I lived in Berlin before, so I should have speak a bit more of the German, but whatever, everybody's saying... Ah, uh, there are some countries that it's really difficult to integrate, there are some countries where there are languages that are so complicated or whatever. And another thing that people are putting on top, especially for selling their own brand, there is nothing better to get integrated and to make friends, to go on the bike. It's true, going on the bike is amazing to make friends, but people, if you really want to be part of a community or integrate in a country or whatever, nothing better than going to the market. And that's something yeah. that I would say I have two direct experience. I lived in Gera de la Frontera for one year. First friends that I got were people that were working into the market of Gera de la Frontera. Amazing people. By the way, Cookie is one of my friends. I'm still talking with him. Another thing, actually, I lived in Berlin in front of my house, uh, of actually my apartment. I got Boxa that is kind of a square, pretty famous. And there is... An amazing market there. Saturday is the food market. Sunday, there is actually the, the flea market. Well, i never been, something like twice at the flea market. But Saturday, the food market, it was crazy. I had people, Turkish people, selling vegetables, coming at my place for dinner the same yeah. night, passing over, right. inviting them, getting the food and cooking together. There's nothing better. If you yeah. want to be integrated, really, go to a market and... I'm going to say it harshly in this way. Fuck supermarkets. Go to a real market with real people. There are more people. Yes. And that's the real best. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of friends also. I have two supermarkets go to my place. And actually, my best friends are probably from the supermarket working there. But that's the way. Integrate. Learn a new language. Only better if in a market. And I worked for Bubble for so many years. So applications are nice. Taking lessons, amazing. You want to be to really to speak the language. You want to be talk you want to talk the market is the way the best way yeah
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah you kind of you kind of kind of get me all like kind of like philosophical again but the reason the reason that I got into food was um because I used to be a greengrocer so I used to work on a fruit and veg market for many many years since when I was I think I started when I was 13 and I stopped when I was about 17 so I worked as a young as a young boy like from I worked Thursday, and Friday before school, and then I'd finish school, and then Saturday I'd work from like four a.m. all the way down to like four five p.m. So, like, work was a real important thing. And the market, what it taught me was, as, as you say, Steph, it's like what a market is. If you think about it, when if you have like a market square or some sort of designation of a market, right, it's just an empty space, right? It's lifeless. It's it's meaningless. But something that I like, and 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 now when we travel, I'm always in markets because. I love the poetry of this idea of people coming, creating this space. Within this space, there's everything from like friendship to trading. You know, the, the most ancient part of, of human kind of existence is about, you know, trading with people, spices and ingredients and now money and, you know, digital stuff like podcasts. But,
0: but, stop but,
1: stop but, listening to people talking, yeah. please. Yeah.
4: <laughs> But, but the market and what it creates is like this whole this whole other thing. It's like this life force that exists for a moment, a finite amount of time, so like a day. And then all of a sudden it, it floats away again and it's then the space is just an empty space. And so but, but the kind of throughout time and throughout kind of, you know, different parts of the world a market is like considered a safe space for people as well you know people where maybe like in in thailand where you know they have quite a lot of um, immigrants from um, myanmar and you know a lot of not only immigrants but people that are seeking like political refuge and, and safety as well you know the only place really that there's two main sort of places that they can sell their wares or you know live their culture is either in monasteries where obviously Part of it comes down from Myanmar and the sort of Wenka school, that sort of way. And then the other thing is in markets. So, you know, a market is not just a representation of, say, Vietnamese food, but it can also, and we've experienced it, it can be a, a plethora of cultures, of different food histories, of people, pot. of, it's mm-hmm. everything. And, like, it's it's like where, it's like where, it's like the heart of a, of a city, of a place mm-hmm. for me, you know? It's like the beating heart. Whereas all the other stuff in all the other little kind of areas, mm. they're, you know, they're the veins and the limbs, but the heart is the markets.
5: And it's the first thing up, like when we'd come off these big overnight buses for stretches we didn't want to do, we'd arrive somewhere at like 3 a.m. And the first thing that would be open at 3.30 is the market. It's beautiful. And like there'd be hot, fresh bread for the day for all the banh mi. So you'd go through and be, you could smell hot bread, could have coffee and just like watch a city come to life outside a market. It was like one of our favorite, absolute yeah. favorite things to do. It's gorgeous. Yeah
2: you, you guys you guys use kamut right yeah yeah i uh, i have an idea someone and maybe you guys sh- should be uh creating a route that links all of the all markets. of the markets together yeah That's so you cycle from market to market
5: it's funny you say this my whole google maps i have love hearted every single restaurant that i've loved
2: <laughs> all you over. have a whole archive to your disposal i have- there.
5: Every single, every single food moment, which was incredible. I love hearted on this map, and there's hundreds of the whole, and it makes <laughs> me the whole trip, and it's it ended up being like this map on my phone of these places. The map of Beck's belly. It's crazy. <laughs> and photographs, because the one thing I love photographing is food. Sam does most of the photographs of, of us and the, like the scenery, but I just love photographing food. It's just my one thing.
4: It's yeah. real deal. Like food is literally her driving force. <laughs> like I know I've said it a few times, but real deal, <laughs> it is. Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, so actually, I was before digging into back into your Instagram. Yes, there is a lot of food.
5: Yeah.
1: Definitely yeah. a lot of food.
5: Well, Sam's got a new thing where he straps our barbecue to the back of his bike we've got a web of barbecue and he literally volleys it to the back of the bike so we can go and barbecue in the park. So
2: we feel like. I, thought, I thought it was a meme. The first time you send it to me, I'm like, ah, huh, that's funny. That's not real. And then no, it's a game. Game. I thought, wait, it's okay. I'm
5: talking yeah,
2: to it's fantastic It could well, well, be true.
5: Sam will literally sometimes just strap up and go, come meet me in the forest. And we'll sit in the middle of the forest and he'll barbecue just so it feels like. We're on again. <laughs> Kids Ooh. are going really. Wow. <laughs> wow.
0: That's it's, super uh, good.
5: Uh,
4: a Weber, there's a, there's a Weber out there. It's, it's really light. It's maybe only, I don't know, three and a half, maybe, well, maybe like, yeah, three and a half, four kilos. And so it sits on a on a back rack really well. Um, and what's really nice about it is it takes those little kind of like canisters. Um, and you can, and so it's super portable. I mean, it's not as portable not as, portable. say, like a...
5: Sam's saying that's portable, but you've seen the image. It's like a full barbecue on the back of the bike. <laughs> Sam thinks we can move anything on the bikes. Everything. We moved house recently. Moved on the bikes. People thought we were mad. You think about the environmental damage that, <laughs> that a, a, a lorry
4: does, or a truck, or even a car. You know, a bike right on, you can do it. Right
5: oh, you you're full of it. it you you can. Can. You're full of it. You just like the thrill of packing it as much as you <laughs> can. <on the> bike.
1: <laughs> well, at the end of the day, it's super beneficial, right? It's super helpful it to have a barbecue on your bike. For you never know when you need to bar- to, to to grill something to make a party out of it, right? So.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And this is this... one, one of the 50 ways is someone who cycled with a barbecue across Siberia. You won't believe it, but
1: yeah. No. Nah, I'm God. just kidding. Oh. Oh, I was actually... That <laughs> the future,
5: Tris. <laughs> yeah. this,
4: this, is, this is the concept, Tris, and I know now that you know a little bit more of the background, this is the concept that I was talking to you about, right? How cool would it be to... There's a, there's a Dutch company called Omnium right? And they do these like super cool cargo bikes, right? They do which a short, amazing. they do a short wheel base, which basically looks like a BMX, right? But like with a, a 700 or a, a, a a 29 rear wheel and a 16 or a 20 inch front wheel. So amazing. And then what I'm thinking is we either get either short or long wheelbases and we do like a European trip somewhere, you know, relatively close. And then we have like a barbecue on one, a pizza oven, or maybe like a charcoal grill or something on the other. And the idea is that, Maybe we get sponsored by some like um, some food companies, or I don't know, Weber perhaps. any, any food and company we, listening uh, to this
0: podcast,
4: if you're listening. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cycle, we cycle <laughs> to all these different markets. You do the commute tours around Europe with all the markets, and then we basically buy food, we cook, and we just give food to people. We just celebrate mm. like humans and food and bikes,
5: and yeah. you know, we make wow. a documentary out of. Wow. And Bellin and I will come and eat.
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, you <laughs> know, I I didn't actually tell you Stefano, but I I, I talked about this with uh, with Beck and Sam already. I, I told them this uh this one experience I had in the south of France. Uh we couldn't track him down actually for for the book, well, but we I, tried. <laughs> I would have put him in there if we could have found him. Yeah. Uh this French guy who was so into making crepes, you know, this the typical flat uh, yeah, French yeah. pancakes, uh that he had this idea. And just the way he pulled it off was legendary, but I, I was his warm showers guest. So I sat in the, in the, in the living room and he was like, I got to show you something, so just wait here. And I think I waited for about 10, 15 minutes. And it's also me just getting into the world of bike travel. Cause it was my first, my first month I think was behind me. So I'm just sitting here in this guy's house and I'm thinking, okay, what's he going to do? And he comes down. In, a, in a, one of those uh, blue man suits, you know, the one that goes, that covers the face, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. really thin latex. More. And he, yeah. <laughs> he comes down in that. It's all white with red hearts covering all of it. And he, he tells me, I am the love man. Wow. And I'm going to <laughs> cycle to Denmark with a crepe machine behind my bike and make a crepe for everyone in the market. They don't have to pay me. I just give them away for free if they want to support my journey sorry wow I just had to. Oh, I it. that's great so the guy ended up going to denmark and making crepes for people on the way and he had this whole crepe machine i don't know if you've ever seen one but that thing is heavy yeah he needed a trailer for it it's it's probably like 60 by 60 centimeters and about 40 centimeters high and it's this thick plate that they bake it on and they have like a sheet that they they cover the the, the, the batter with and then he had all these toppings you know stored around in this little trailer that he made it's just remarkable so yeah that's
1: super great so you didn't <laughs> track him unfortunately where was him
2: he was in uh, in the south of france i think it was uh beau it could have been closer to the coast my memory's a bit foggy there but yeah okay. south west of france and he was in warm showers it's uh, 6 years ago already it was yeah like 6 years ago yeah, yeah. So if everybody here
1: Anybody of the listeners or everybody out there had the opportunity <laughs> yes. to see somebody dressed like the love of the love god, the sorry. love man, the love man <laughs> with a crap machine distributing and sharing love through craps. Let us know because we yeah. want to he have him our, here. Our number
2: fifty-one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We need really to have a talk with this guy because it seems like it's something amazing and I would taste one of his crabs, I can tell you. I can definitely.
2: Oh, I tasted I tasted a few and they were amazing. Some of the best crabs I've ever had. Yeah, oh, can you I can imagine. It.
1: Amazing yeah. fuel. Well, uh, I think that actually we are leading into this part of the conversation. I just want to ask you another couple of things. Actually, the both of the topics that they want to drop are related to what we are talking about. I will start from that. Seems like you had thanks to food, but thanks of your traveling and thanks of going all over the world with your bikes, a lot of great experience with people. Tell us more. about. I think it was really crucial, right? It was something like really the core of your trip. It was to meet new people, to try to experience the local uh, kindness, the local communities and everything. Tell us more about that.
4: I think, I think for me, simply, people are the main reason why I travel by bike. Just simple as that. Um, I, I don't know. I I don't know whether or not this is unique to me or the, whether this is something that other people feel as well. I hope so. Um, but I, I get my life force from people, you know, like talking to people, learning from people, being around people, sharing, giving, taking, you know, like that's, I, I, I like it. And when I'm, when I'm not around people, I kind of feel a bit, I don't know. I just, I feel a bit, dull you know like like the kind of like the energy's been dialed down a little bit and um and I think so much of that is so much of the people that we met um have really kind of shaped who who I am and, and who we are as people um but the p- people are just great and I think we you, you kind of hear a lot of stuff about about how dangerous it is. And lots of people before I started and also since coming back have sort of said, especially in a kind of Western sort of modality, people have said like, oh, was it not dangerous? Were you not scared to camp every night? And were you not scared doing this? And you're not scared of X, Y, Z? And actually the feeling in, in in a lot of the places where we cycled was just so open and mm-hmm. so inviting and, and beautiful that it just, I, I never sort of really felt mm. scared uh, at all um I the people are a huge part of that
5: sam is also quite extroverted If you can't tell i i used to be i think extroverted in my young years but as i've gotten older i've definitely become a lot more introverted and so for me it was more sam would would turn up to a place and sam would immediately connect with like someone they'd be like best friends straight away, like completely deep dive into their soul with each other. Whereas I found I had these like crazy, incredible connections with, um, some of the older people we met on tour. So some of like, um, what you'd call a nona, like some of the beautiful people who ran the households, they would always be the ones that would gravitate towards me because I'd be quieter or, you know, Sam would be having this really big conversation with someone and I'd probably shy down a little bit more and, and not have to, you know. I have to talk as much and they'd kind of almost find me every single house would be one and they'd make me learn to cook or they'd make me um like look through all their photo albums or take me for walks or I think that was the most memorable experiences with people was going into their homes and being shown their entire way of life and like really recognizing that I probably wasn't as comfortable as Sam was in a lot of the situations and they always made me feel so calm. And so, and I, I, I mean, that's part of Southeast Asia too. I, I knew nothing about Buddhism before we went on our tour and a massive part of our tour was monasteries and monks and people in those communities. And I'd never seen anything like it in my entire life. Um, and so connecting with those sorts of people that live completely different lifestyles to anything I've ever seen. And and I traveled to all these places, but I hadn't connected with people, not as a tourist, as actually someone going into their home in a very rural community, um, and actually being integrated into that community. It's it's so different going as a tourist, not on a bike. And I said to Sam, it'll be the same. I already I had authentic experiences, which I did to some degree, but there's something about being on a bike and being in places where tourists don't usually go. That you just have these really authentic experiences where you really understand what their life looks like. Um, yeah, it's, it was it was amazing. And those monasteries and what I learned from the monks and how how they live their lives and how the community revolves around these monasteries. Um, it was amazing, absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's amazing. I can completely relate to you, people, because yeah. It's also for me. You know, I I don't want to say that, but actually. I have a podcast just because I like to talk with people. I really absorb. I get all my energy from the energy that people spread around that want to talk with me. It's so crazy how you change your way of thinking by talking with people. Because otherwise, you know, even if you're just saying all the time with the same community, it's super good to have a super strong community. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. You have support and everything. But if you're seeing the things only around you and actually from the inside, the inside, you're kind of close, right? While if you're spreading out things, you're starting talking with different culture, different people, different skills, different everything, then really you start thinking uh, in I don't know, for me it's completely fulfilling. It's completely another point of view. And actually for me it's so different now from the Stefano that was already six uh, i'm getting philosophical because i will turn 40 in a couple of weeks but already Stefano of six ten years ago was completely different i have super structured mind i know what i have to do i know which one are the goals i know how to do things and how not to do things and now actually the thing that i'm saying all the time is why not and it's kind of a different yeah. approach right
4: yeah love
1: it yeah 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 perfect nice.
4: Nice reflection. Nice reflection. I think, I think, I think you're right though. Like we, um, we, we learn so much from just people living their lives. And I think that that's, that's, what's beautiful about, about traveling by bike is that you have these, um, you have these kind of short, sharp, impactful moments with people and then you move on and And it doesn't, that doesn't diminish how powerful they are in any way, shape or form. Actually, it it kind of amplifies them because you, you can come in, you build these bonds, you build these kind of moments, you share, you give, you learn, you teach, you do all these great things. They challenge who you are and your expectations of, of, of the world. And you perhaps, you know, from, from your lived experiences on this world, you then show them things. And all of a sudden there's this kind of beautiful exchange. But there's no money involved. There's no kind of, you know, because it, it, it's not about that, not because money is the root of all evil or anything like that. I don't want to take it down that road. But actually, like there is I've long believed that there's 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 a multitude of different currencies that, be, that that are beyond just kind of fiscal exchange, like the exchange of money. You know, there's like energetic currencies. There's just reciprocity giving and, and receiving is, is a currency in and of itself. And I set out on a bit of a mission to kind of explore that idea on, 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 on the trip. And, and boy, did we explore it? Like, you know, we, there's, there's, there's places, there's places. And and like what Beck said some of the, it's not just, just, you know, Buddhist community, it's just, that's what, what we were seeking and what we saw a lot. And and we stayed a lot in monasteries and, and learned a lot, um, from, from the kind of study of, of of mainly sort of Theravada Buddhism, and what's really beautiful is that, you know, the, the the monastery and the monks within that monastery, they're considered like the 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 kind of the leaders of that that kind of community. They're the kind of central part. And, you know, they're they don't. Well, it's against part of their sort of monastic vows to take any form of money. Right. And so the way that the community feeds and gives and and shows respect and love toward the monks is by, offering food offering rice offering you know toothbrushes and toothpaste and all that sort of stuff to them and in return there's a ceremony it happens it has different names in different parts of southeast asia but the one that kind of we experienced perhaps the most was in thailand it's called bin tabat or just tabat and it's basically a a rice ceremony it happens at sunrise every every morning and where the monks walk out into the communities and the people give them a scoop of rice or whatever in these alm bowls and um, and that then goes on to feed you know the, the 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 monks the rest of the junior monks and then you know the people wider in the community and if there's food left over well then that food gets given to the homeless for the people in need for bike travelers that are going past and perhaps need water or rice or a meal or whatever that might be or last case toward the animals and there's this beautiful cycle where you know there's no money there's none of that and it's just it just happens because there's a mutual respect you know Mm. people give that people take and they receive they get from the monks and they give to the monks and it's and it's such a rewarding experience to just be even just for a moment just for a night to be a part of seeing that it's mm. kind of it, it's kind of a bit like the idea of what we were talking about earlier of the market. You know, it, it comes, it has this beautiful moment. It's poetic. It's it's exploratory. It's fanta- it's fantastic, and then it goes, and then you go and you pass on to another place, another city, mm. another village. You know,
5: it's and it's hard sometimes to even go. Like some communities, we got to and we couldn't leave. Yeah, yeah. like it was really hard. We ended up staying for like what we said in um. And Luan Prabang in Laos, we met a beautiful couple there and we ended up staying for like three weeks. And we were supposed to be there two days. <laughs> we totally,
4: Luan Prabang is oh. amazing. It's such a special, special place.
5: But because of the people. Like it is a beautiful place, don't get me wrong, but it was the people that mm. made that place so magical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: That's super great. So, yeah. Uh what you'll find is in southeast asia certainly so you know malaysia all the way through up into nepal and 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 on all the way you know further on until you start getting into you know sort of more sort of like india and then into sort of pakistan you'll find that the whole kind of southeast asian spirit is 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 so open and so compassionate just naturally you know it's very safe the people are very welcoming and giving and there were some moments, some really fun moments, actually, where especially in, in Vietnam and in Thailand, which are more kind of westernized or perhaps a little bit more kind of, you know, progressive in that sense compared to, say, Laos, for instance. Um, we'd have moments where people would, like, pull over on their scooters and they would come to us and they'd, like, offer us, like, food or, you know, whatever we want, or water or something. And then we'd start talking as you do. and And almost eight times out of ten, people would say to us, why don't you have a car where's your motorbike like why why are you on a on a bicycle and 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 at first we were like that's that's a strange question like oh i wonder what that means but as we kind of got more immersed into the culture Largely in kind of definitely in Vietnam and definitely in in in, uh, in in Thailand, the the bicycle is seen as a kind of utilitarian sort of way of travel. It's like it's how we export. They have these big like super cool. I really want one. Really long wheelbase, um, like uh, almost like Dutch cycles, but like longer in the rear stays, so super stable. And they have like a rack the size of know, it must be about four foot. The rack. And like they're, they're transporting, these people are transporting all types of things, fridges, motorbikes, like what else did we That's see? Wild. Like animals, like <laughs> Cows. Every, literally like we saw like packs and packs of chickens and everything like on the wow. back of these bikes. You know, we thought we were heavy. These, these guys are just like going from the from the Chinese border into Vietnam or whatnot. You'll be able to see them somewhere. And um, it's like just rows and rows and rows of these long wheel-based bicycles Taking all the taking all the um, all the produce and trade back into Vietnam, and so from a cultural standpoint, they it served as a bit of a kind of alienation form for them because in their mind they think like Europeans rich obviously like lots and lots of you know or, or more affluent than than kind of than them at least in, in in their perspective, and so to see us or to see a European couple you know traveling by bicycle by choice. Not in a kind of you know a luxury car or in a you know, tourist bus or whatever. It kind of like startles for a while, and they're like, "Huh," but then when you explain, like, "This is how we this is how we travel. This is this is what we like. We like to be exposed and kind of you know part of the country rather than just seeing it for a, for a window." Something happens in their in their kind of understanding of who you are, and you and you're able to cultivate these bonds. Because you, you're having a, a very shared, very kind of, a very unambiguous experience, you know, it's like, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more galvanizing than a shared sense of minimalism, you know, when, when all you have, when all you have is what you carry and it's the same, it doesn't matter where you come from or your are standing or like, you know, where you were born, because let's be honest, we, none of us have any control over where we're born. It's Absolutely. just, it just happens. Right. And we should be grateful for the fact that we were born where we were born, and all of the experiences that that's afforded us. But I, I have no control that I was born in the UK. It's just like someone had no no control, they were born in Laos, right? And so our worlds can be completely different. But when we meet each other on the side of the road, both carrying nothing but what we have on our bags, then there's a very humanistic, very, very powerful thing happens in that in that moment. Where it doesn't matter where you're from, it matters presently where you're at, and I think that that's that's why we we're able to build, you know, I think and I hope lifelong like bonds with 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 certain people. Um, I mean, I, I get loads of messages from people on Facebook all the time, being like, "What country are you in now, bro?" I'm like, "I'm in England because I have to be." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was very philosophical i didn't say it i didn't
1: say it sorry uh, it's on video people it's not on audio so you're gonna know more about that (laughs) we're talking about the c word no that's super awesome it's really really greatly fascinating that but i wanted to actually wrap this conversation with something i want to do something with a really great narrative and stuff i want to say okay your chapter is called uh Figure it out life. Do you do you really figure it out life? I don't want to go in this direction. I think it's really too heavy. But probably I, will... I
2: think he just summed it up. He he did just sum it up. The that which you just just said is pretty much figured out. You figured it out. That is life in a nutshell. <laughs> Oh, that I... moment alongside
0: <laughs> the road oh. Oh, i don't know oh, we're listening. going into
3: it again no i,
2: I just <laughs> i thought about maybe not mentioning this but i i found it beautiful you summed it up completely for me at least
4: oh well that's very kind thank you that's 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 lovely but <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't i think the thing is that like um not not to seek not to seek any kind of critique in your uh in in, in kind of your chapter title of figuring life out i think i think it's kind of paradoxical because i don't think you ever really figure life out because to figure it out kind of then spoils the game doesn't it
0: absolutely because
3: i I think the first step is realizing that there's different things that you can live yeah that that's why i think the name of the chapter comes at that because we all are born into one stereotype usually Mm. So by just changing things, you're like, oh, I can figure out life. Meaning, I can have many yeah. as many lives as I want to have.
4: Yeah, totally. That's
3: more or less the point here.
4: <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think that just to add a kind of a small moment to what I said earlier, I think um, there's this kind of popular rhetoric, especially in the West, about uh, learning. Right. I think about learning a lot because I'm strange, but like learning learning as we kind of understand it is about the acquisition of new skills you know like if you want to learn a new language you have to learn the vocabulary you have to learn the structure then you don't know, know the thing you know if you want to get a better job you have to go to university learn this do that do that it's very kind of procedural and sequential you know but actually what i have found is that for me at least the purpose of figuring out life or figuring out perhaps where i fit in life is is through the process of unlearning, not learning. You know, it's, it's, it's like that moment that I described where, you know, I'm from England and the person's from Vietnam and we meet on the side of the road. What had to happen to make that moment possible is not me learning, but me shedding. Like unlearning and shedding all these egoic ideas, all these Mm. you know preconceived ideas ideas of who I am and my place in the world and all that sort of stuff, and actually just being quite naked—not in a kind of sense like I send you naked pictures, Tris—but also, but like (laughs) naked, naked in a sense of being naked to experiences and and kind of naked to the world, so that when you meet a person or when Mm. you live a thing, you're open enough to go, "Wow, that's." Mm. That's changed me or that's moved me or done something rather than like, I've got this idea, I'm learning this thing, bang, you yeah. know? And and it's, it's actually, I feel like we can learn more from the process of unlearning and, mm. and, and challenging our own sort of sense of what's comfortable and what's right than actually what we can by acquiring or seeking to always acquire new skills. Yeah. Okay, Russell that. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but actually, I loved it because that's the point, and this actually goes the whole circle on what we were saying at the beginning. It seems like we are, we need to be prepared in everything that we are doing. Don't even start something if you don't know everything on that. Uh, you don't know how to cook. Don't even try to put a pan on the fire. It well, doesn't work in this way, at least for me. For example, I am yeah. actually in the process in the at the moment where, every, where I'm sending job application I need a new job and blah, 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 and all these things. And everybody, do you have experience on that? No, but I have experience in this, 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 this and that And I learned it by doing And still I i will never have the full experience On the things that i already done So this is the way that I'm doing Seems like on the other side You need to be full set up And you can only do things that i super specialized on For me, bullshit For everybody else If you think that this is true, it's okay But don't influence what else is the experience That's what I mean If you think that this is the correct way Okay, it's perfect, do it don't influence on people that thinks that actually they have another another way of learning by just jumping to the water without knowing so much how to how to swim maybe
4: completely agree completely agree I, yeah i mean this is i reckon this is a whole other podcast that we could get into and also just as an aside feel free to take this uh out if you want to but if you want any help from like a uh, a job ser- searching or a thingy sort of job seeking perspective just let me know i like i've been in recruitment and coaching people in in this for nearly 10 years so if you want any help then just let me know this is this is kind of my bread and butter and what i do so I'm, I'm i'm happy to help give you any advice or connect you up with people or whatever you need or just actually just you know help other people understand where you're coming from perhaps okay I'm happy to do that
1: that's great Yeah, so let's have a talk also because i think that this is exactly the point at the moment is that Is it really everything wrong? Am I really the one that is wrong? Or whatever it is. That's exactly the point. We reach this point all the time. But that's the beauty of it. But for sure, let's talk about that. Uh, Thanks a lot. And actually, yes. Actually, my wrap of the episode was figuring out life and blah, blah, blah. Like this, just because I want you guys to talk about coffee. Can you tell us about your project?
5: Oh, this is another whole podcast
1: back. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. It's good, though,
5: because... For us, much like food, coffee was also a really big ritual on the bike. So every single morning, the sun would rise. I would pack down our tent and our gear while Sam made us a fresh coffee. Like No matter where we were, he'd make us a nice bowl of oats and a coffee. And, and it also became this thing where we would share it with the people around us. So we ended up just – the universe kept throwing these people at us. We'd, you know, we'd turn up at a place and all of a sudden – the people that we were staying next to, they owned a coffee business. And we'd be like, oh, that was lovely. Met them, got a bit inspired, kept going. Then we'd turn up to another place and all of a sudden there was a coffee farm, literally just there. And we'd pull up and they'd go, come stay with us and we'll teach you how to roast and we'll like brew with you. And then we we're like, wow, that was incredible. And then we'd leave again and then all of a sudden we'd meet another coffee farmer. Like It was, it was wild. It was to the point where... You know when the universe gives you so many signs? And this was this was like it was smacking us in the face. It was yeah. it was saying, you have to do something in this area. I could not give you any more people <laughs> to guide you and show you this is what you need to do. Um yeah, it was it was crazy.
4: So when we um yeah, we we kept on getting these sort of sledgehammer blows from the universe about, you know, coffee, 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 like in our in our face um we had no plans to set up a coffee business or do anything with it actually to be honest but we um we kind of when we got back to england and 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 kind of you know the world was starting to do its thing um with the with virus that coffee came, um <laughs> we, we 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 thought about like how could we how could we kind of pay respect and also pay homage to the people that inspired us right and so you know we met Coffee farmers who were, you know, doing pretty experimental stuff with you know planting coffee. We were, you know, working and talking to roasters who, you know, are only producing, say, you know, a thousand kilos or eight hundred kilos of coffee per season. You know, like in coffee, we talk about micro lots, but these are like nano lots, you know, like tiny, tiny ones. And so we wanted to create a brand that was in service to the people that inspired, but also showcase coffee in a way that to be really frank is just unpretentious mm-hmm. what what we found when we when we got back into to sort of the west was like there's a lot of pretense and a lot of kind of you know a kind of showy off nature with coffee you know it's like Yes, there are important tenets of, of good extract extraction in espresso and making good coffee and stuff. But actually, how much of it is hyperbole and how much of it is actually, you know, just, just kind of the truth of what the coffee is. And and so what we wanted to try and create was a brand that were that where people that was sort of started by a sense of adventure for adventurous people, you know. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't matter whether your sense of adventure is you know, a bike packing trip halfway around the world or it's whitewater rafting in, in Vancouver or whether it's a pillow fort in your bedroom. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a city break or it's a, a kind of a, a six year thing like Bell and Triss have been doing. Right. We are all wild at heart. We've all got this sense of adventure that we want to get out. And and we we were inspired by brewing coffee outside, by great coffee in the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so, and so what we wanted to try and do was create a brand that really spoke to that, but also served the audience of people that like to go and have adventures.
5: And we took an AeroPress with us the entire... My dad gave us an AeroPress when I left. And so we took that AeroPress with us... Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. It was like our goal. So, and it was lovely to go to these coffee farms and they were like, what the hell is that? Like pulling out this weird tube and yeah. showing them how we did it. And so we've kind of designed our coffee around the Aeropress because it is, it's foolproof. We've been, we've been doing videos behind the scenes at the moment. You know, Sammy puts his timer on for his coffee. He has like a perfect grind size. He's like a certain time he stirs. And I make a coffee, and it's an absolute shit show. It's like it's—you'll get bark in there. You will get like it'll fall over. But it's the Aeropress is so amazing and so forgiving that we just wanted people to have a cheap entry into good coffee. Yeah. On the road,
1: I can and tell you that. That's so bad. Yeah, I can tell you that. Actually, I'm not familiar at all with the Aeropress. I'm actually coming from generation of mocha pot coffee makers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. something that they need yeah. to explore for
2: sure. And, and the mocha fits quite well with the mocha, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've
4: tried to do with, so at the moment we've got one, uh, one single origin out. Um, so, uh, it's from Colombia, um, and we've worked with the profile. So the kind of the overall kind of roast profile of, of the bean to, to be really forgiving, You know, because when you're out in the wild, you haven't got scales. You can't, you know, you can't temper the water. You can't get it at 80 or 85 Mm -hmm. or 90. It's either cold or it's boiling hot, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to try and offer our customers was an idea of like, well, if we understand what the fixed variables are, you've got hot water, you've got a spoon that comes with the AeroPress, which is your spoon and your stirrer. Well, let's try and design a coffee a profile of coffee that fits specifically for that type of experience. Mm. So you don't have to carry extra stuff or have all these kind of you know bad coffee experiences. Mm. The idea is let's design a coffee that's consistent, that's foolproof, mm. and that tastes really, really great every time.
5: And the flavors are like classic, beautiful flavors. You can taste caramel, you can taste sweet orange, Um, And it's really nostalgic for me because we've got this massive, as soon as you pour it, it smells like hot Amarito biscuits or amaretti biscuits. And my dad used to have them every Sunday. It's like a very nostalgic childhood thing for me. But the smell of hot uh, amaretti biscuits in the morning with a coffee is just literally reminds me of my childhood. And And it smells incredible so we just
2: can you smell it stefano i don't know Honestly, i
1: just want a coffee right now i don't know why don't, <laughs> listening to you talking about adventure coffee made me actually think i want a coffee and adventure as well but more
0: coffee And
5: this is the thing. we we took so long to choose the actual bean and and we're working with an incredible roaster the the roaster himself is an amazing human that we connect with on so many levels um but i studied wine at university and through the tour, I basically stopped drinking for for the whole tour because Sam doesn't drink, and probably the first time in my life, wine has not been involved. My dad used to own a wine shop in London; he collects wine. Like it's always been a part of my life, and I kind of and I lost that through touring because booze and for some people it works, but for us it just does not. And for me, I, I cannot cycle. I completely on the feel it.
1: I completely feel it.
5: Worst. Um. So I kind of lost that passion of like food and wine pairing and and tasting. And I I'm, I'm, I love t- you taste wines and pulling out different flavors. And I've kind of taken that from wine and completely shifted that into coffee. And so now you can do the exact same thing. You can look at the soil where it was grown. We met um, one coffee farmer in uh, Nepal and he had a farm um, uh, in part of India and one in, in Nepal as well. And he used to have Darjeeling tea. Um, so you got that really earl grey bergamot okay. flavor. He had planted a whole row of tea um, and he decided he wanted to start coffee. So he ripped up the tea plants on one side of the farm, kept the other side um, with the Earl Grey tea, and then planted his coffee, his coffee plants. So when you actually tasted the coffee, you could taste that soft, light, and um, it was, oh, it's incredible. Just like what you expect in an Earl Grey uh, tea was coming through in the coffee because of the soil and because of the way the coffee was produced. And it kind of brought this different type of creativity for me in terms of flavour palette, like... Why do people not talk about coffee and food pairing? Like you hear it with wine all the time. Why can you not have certain beautiful hot? Now we do hot amaretto biscuits, and you, you have that with with your coffee. It's a completely different experience. And mm. um, so we've kind of been exploring that. We've got a few new blends that will be coming out soon too. Yeah, uh, very soon. So it's been a nice process, really.
2: Do, do, yeah. do you want to talk about one particular one? Seeing that this uh, this podcast is coming out a bit oh, later. First of
5: all, you need to tell us the name of
3: the brand.
1: Absolutely.
4: Oh. <laughs> oh
3: my yeah. gosh!
4: So the the coffee, the, so the coffee company is called Dirtbag. So Dirtbag Coffee, and it's also um, the name the, of my
1: favorite podcast. If I can just interrupt you here, Dirtbag Diaries. Oh, cool. So Dirtbag Coffee yeah, is really dirtbag great. Dirtbag and then, is, yeah. that's great.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great podcast. Um, yeah. D- so Dirtbag Coffee. Uh, well, it, it was inspired by our travels. So you know, we we lived a dirtbag life, and the the whole dirtbag ethos is kind of derived from um, the US and it's a, a kind of an idea from US rock climbers that gave up their, their life or their kind of matrix life and they wanted to basically be united back with nature. So they'd live in vans and kind of do that van camping life and they would like park up near national parks and they would climb and, you know, just kind of be dirtbags. And now today the word kind of extends further than that and it's a sense of people who, you know, value experiences more than buying things and 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 kind of having wild adventurous times rather than you know kind of mm. just buying into materialism and 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 whatnot so dirtbag for us it felt like a um a really obvious name mm. um but it, it it's not just about you know the brand it's about the whole tribe mentality because i think that people that travel by bike the people that do through hiking wild swimmers it's about communities and tribes and we hope that that that, that dirtbag spirit will kind of imbue into that tribe sort of mentality
1: Mm. yeah guys sorry for one second if you want you can continue i need to go to the bathroom so i will leave the microphone (laughs) to tristan and belen i know that it's two hours so it can make sense go ahead i'm coming
5: he's gone too oh
2: We'll just have to see if he's actually going to end up putting this in the podcast. I can... just,
3: I just got super hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I was googling the Amaretto cookies. I'm like,
5: oh, have you had Amaretto only... cookies before? I don't know. There's a shop here in the Netherlands. They're almond and they're light and fluffy, and they just mm. remind me of everything good in the world. My dad used to have them yep. literally every morning. He'd buy boxes of them. He'd cook, bake them, and um, and my parents. I'd, so I had never had instant coffee until I went on tour. Never.
2: Yep. Same
5: in my
0: life.
5: In my life. I've never had it. I grew up, my parents used to, um, my dad used to get old coffee machines from cafes when they would shut down. And we had like a full plugged in one in our house. Um, and, you know, they'd have their mornings where they'd be like hungover on a Sunday. So we learned very young how to make them a coffee <laughs> in bed. Uh, like, very young. Um so it was like my first experience of having um Of having instant coffee, and I kind of like instant coffee now for that reason. Like I'll have it every now and then because it reminds me of like when I first went on tour. I love it. Yeah, love it, love it.
2: Yeah, we got introduced to instant coffee in Central Asia.
3: Asia. Mm. I mean, it's the only thing you can you could find
0: there. Yeah.
2: Yep. There, there were these little the bags with like some brand you never heard of and tasted okay because you got kind of a coffee flavor out of it. And then we took them with us on the journey and it was actually a really practical thing. We're talking about instant coffee, Sam. Sorry to say, but,
5: <laughs> no, but... <laughs> <laughs> maybe you wanna go back to the bathroom. <laughs> and then it's nostalgic for me though. Like I literally have a cup of instant coffee and I feel like this feeling like I'm about to travel. I don't know. Yeah, instant coffee is right. great, yeah. For
2: sure.
3: I think it's lazy. I
2: it's mean, it's definitely lazy. If there's no other but it's option, also practical and efficient. Yeah,
3: no, it's practical, yeah. It's light.
2: Mama. Yeah, not 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 to not to say though, we we're we're gonna Try your coffee, guys, and we're gonna take it on tour. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna see. We're gonna see if we can manage. We'll yeah, do it with a mocha. Yeah, we want to take
3: our. We have a an espresso mocha.
2: Yeah, like yeah, a really tiny, super one. tiny,
3: super cute. You know, we'll hang it from a pannier or something. Yeah, yeah, nice.
2: Of course, we have to be the trin- trendy hipsters, yeah. bikepackers, So <laughs> With dang, the dangle mocha pop. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I missed something. By the way, I, in the meantime that I was in the bathroom, what did I miss?
2: Well, we went off on a spin-off about instant coffee. And uh, yeah, we elaborated on the uh, the nudes that Sam's been sending me.
1: <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I have everything on record. On records, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just know. I just actually was listening to uh, something. Some conversation on mocha pots dangling on the back of the bike. I think it can fix yeah. it, yeah, right? Yeah. Nothing here. else was dangling. Okay. Uh, are we sure?
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very cool. Cool hipster thing to do to have a dangle cup um, yeah, yeah. You know, on, on the bike, but um, but Belle and Triss are gonna have a little dangle mocha pot, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Which is... yeah we've Ooh. always
3: I mean, we've carried it with us many times, it's just that we never showed it off. But I guess it's just cooler if it's outside,
2: yeah. The only problem we have though is that it's too small to so make cool. two cups of coffee, so because I usually like a bit more, so I put some water with it, make an Americano or something like that and it's too small so it gets really hot and then we have to cool it down somehow to refill it and start the whole process over again. Wow. That's the only challenge.
5: But it's so cute. Aeropress, this is the thing because you can do special recipes with an Aeropress where you can make it really strong and then you can lengthen it um, and it will still be like having two coffees, especially yeah. the Aeropress Go, which is a bit smaller. Yeah. They're yeah, all yeah. contained in a tiny little package that also ha- it has a cup, the cup is yeah. a part of the package. Um. Literally, we've always had the normal size one and we got the go now. And every time we go out, we, we take the go. Yeah. We have two good. coffees.
1: That's pretty I good. Do. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it. Anyways, you can also <laughs> find re- nice, bigger size of mocha if you want. They are, of course, the one that I always... Hate is the one that is super big like this for 75 people because it never works. But usually I believe that the perfect size of a mocha is actually a number four little cups, seen size. That's the best because I usually in the morning, I make the four one, I drink it all, and then I am it at least for three hours. So that's a good thing. Then you
0: can speak to day.
1: Yes, yes, yes. All day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And all day. And then um, yeah. let's see. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Cool people! It was really amazing, enjoyable, inspiring, and now I would say, look at the sun is coming to my face. Sunny conversation. Thanks a lot for having that.
2: <laughs> Thank yeah, we, you. We've gone quite off, off track yeah. with uh, the the planned podcast, but the the plan really was to just go all ways and every single way. So <laughs> we've, okay. we've done well here.
4: Yeah,
1: it fits was so it good my style good. and actually also yours that I enjoyed it a lot. I really lot.
4: Yeah. Us too. Really enjoyed it. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Thanks for thanks for kind of hanging out, and thanks for um, yeah, thanks for kind of the, the the engaging conversation. I know it got a little bit kind of philosophical and worldly at times, but um, it's nice. It's nice that we, you know, whilst we've all had our own unique experiences, there's also a lot of overlap between everyone's everyone's experiences and what we've lived through. So that was really encouraging. So thanks for um, thanks for sharing the space and the time with us.
0: <laughs> no, thank
5: you. Makes you- it makes me miss touring. Yeah, not going to say the c word.
2: I'm sure those listeners will feel the same way. But yeah, it's 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 also what we set out for, uh, for with this this uh, this series of podcasts. We're so glad that Stefano was totally on board with the idea because you know people can read your chapter in 50 ways, and it's exactly that that's what it meant for uh, what it's meant for. So it introduces people to your story, and then they can go further. Uh, by looking you up on the internet, finding your website, finding podcasts with you, and we wanted to create something much more meaningful, much deeper uh, in podcast form to go and elaborate on your life story or on how you have both traveled together and the ways that you 've learned all these different things so it's a it's been a fantastic opportunity at getting that out there, and I 'm sure a lot of people will really really enjoy this deep dive into Sam and Beck. And dirtbag.
5: <laughs> Love it. Absolutely.
2: Awesome.
1: Absolutely. Also, because I can say it now, and that's really my statement on this episode, I'm not going to edit. Probably I'm going to add the part that I, I went to the bathroom quickly because probably there was some weird... <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't have a <laughs> microphone with me. But I'm not going to edit because it needs to stay in this way, completely pristine and raw how it yeah. is. I'm not going to edit either the thing that I'm going to say right now I'm going to shut down the recording now, say bye-bye-bye, but the four of you, don't leave the conversation. We have to say goodbye in a proper way off-records. Okay. Okay,
0: Bye-bye, everyone. everyone. (laughs)
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Now (laughs) we are going to spread some cool things, and you are not going to listen to that. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. (laughs) And that's what we did. That's what we did. We spent 30, 45 more minutes on uh, discussing about some of the topics that were into the conversation, and also spreading a bit more of uh, good vibes. I would say good vibes. And I can tell you that this one is one of my favorite, long-time favorite podcast episode that I've ever done. This episode of The Broom Wagon was just full of light-hearted vibes and need to explore and point of view on stuff that, I don't know, I loved it. I just loved it. So that's why I want to say thank you to everybody of you for having listened to that. And thanks as well... If you would like, share, subscribe, review, do whatever you want in any of the platform for podcasts where you are listening to this episode. And if you want, people, just share it with your best friends because, I don't know, we didn't talk so much about bikes this time, but probably it's worth it. It was the most, uh, the biggest, the most, uh, the closest uh, representation of what I like about making this podcast and riding the bike do whatever thanks a lot for doing that thanks a lot if you want to support me here down in the description below you can find uh, the coffee link where you can drop some coins that will help me producing and keep this podcast independent as well as yes if you want go and support cwatch.org it's something that it's really important for me as well you don't need actually to have at the moment any link and connection with uh, the broom wagon go there do it i'm gonna be happy and maybe let me know that's the only thing that i would ask you thanks for supporting also this episode and uh, yeah i will talk to you next week with another amazing conversation